You are listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! have been wanting to do this for some time and I am pleased to finally be able to present to you a portion of comics history of Batman continuity that's very dear to my heart and that is Batman Nightfall. This is the first part of Ace Comicals Presents Batman Nightfall. Um, So today we are focusing primarily on uh, Batman Venom which is Batman Legends of the Dark Knight 16 to 20. And then uh, we also talk about Batman Vengeance of Bane number one, uh, Batman issues 484 to 491, and Detective Comics 654 to 658, also collected as and also known as Batman Prelude to Nightfall. So what we're doing here is we're just going to dig into the beginnings, the building blocks, as it were, the things that had to happen and come together and be introduced in order for this this storyline to exist. Um, so joining us today, we have Marv. Hello. Hello, Marv. And uh, also my usual co-hosts, Leon. Hey, hey. And Rahul. Hey, lads. Yes. So um, now Marvin is a massive, massive Nightfall guy like me. <laughs> which is part of the reason he's here today is because he loves the comics as much if not more than me possibly i don't know yeah, uh, I, I feel like for both of us that's an understatement <laughs> yeah we'll, uh, we'll we'll find out more as we go on as we plod on through the series hopefully what i wish to achieve with this is to give you guys um an insight a breakdown into what i feel is a momentous piece of comics history and a large significant chunk of batman um continuity that has ramifications beyond and even into today's batman books i guess um and hopefully we'll give you some hopefully by the end of this as well we will be able to maybe discuss its legacy and give you some idea of of exactly hopefully by the end of this you will understand exactly what this means um like this this time like this this uh this piece of Batman history means and why it's so important. And also, um, I guess why a lot of people love it as much as they do, because I mean, I think sometimes I think it gets a bad rap. I think, I think people, although, although people recognize it for its significance, I think sometimes it's not as, revered as i think it could be or should be i think it gets overshadowed by things i don't know but um it is it is a huge huge chunk and um yeah so we can't really get into this without talking about modern comics and um a hallmark of the modern age of comics was these mega events or crossover events or whatever you want to call them this is one of the things that defines the modern age of comics so um, beginning in the 80s, in 1984, when Marvel did that, uh, they did their sort of like Secret Wars thing, which was their first big large scale crossover that involved um, a lot of their 
sort of like stable at the time, heroes wise, and brought them all in with the primary purpose of selling toys. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they basically got like their sort of like highest selling books and crossed them all over into one big book, overlapped them all into one big 12 issue series. Um, and then DC sort of like took this idea and uh, they introduced a large scale crossover a year later when they did Crisis on Infinite Earths which obviously had massive long-term effects on the DC continuity ramifications here and to beyond through the DC timeline. Um, so yeah, this is, this is where this comes in. So like in the early to mid nineties is, um, like when big events were a regular thing, like they became a regular occurrence and they were happening kind of like, you'd get something every year or you'd get something big happening, you know, uh, throughout. It, it, this is like, we're talking like in, in uh, franchises like Batman, X-Men, um, just to name a couple of the few that were like out and about at the time, things that were getting published in the mid nineties. You've got things like um, Age of Apocalypse, the Onslaught Saga, uh, DC Zero Hour, um, and uh, Spider-Man Clone Saga, uh Batman Nightfall which we're going to talk about today or begin talking about which is one of the which is actually labeled as one of the more significant events uh, mm. and also the event that kind of like started it all shadows and <laughs> sets it all up the death of superman um which yeah the, these these events were huge they they actually got coverage in mainstream media in some cases which was pretty cool um whole point of this thing was basically to boost sales and, and whatever. And, um, it, it became a thing where fans would criticize them because they weren't, the storytelling probably wasn't up to the standard they were kind of used to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so like even, even now we're still seeing these huge, huge events and these huge crossovers. I mean, like right now you've got X of swords, which is the big, which is a big thing going on with all of the, uh, all of the X-Men books at the moment. Um, so this, this stuff kind of still happens. You had, uh, Marvel Empire earlier this year. You, you're gonna, you've got, um, you know, this is, this is like a, now a staple of comics. Uh, th these huge events are, are a thing that they just kind of churn out over and over again. And it's, it's exciting and it's fun and it sells books and it's nice to kind of like, I don't know, it's something to look forward to as well. Because there's always going to be one every year and you get the build up to it and you always end up looking forward to like the big summer event and then it slaps and you you get to read. You, you probably start picking up and reading books you wouldn't wouldn't normally do um, hmm. just for the sake of the event and things like that. And then it's like the the excitement of having the whole thing as well. Like when you start buying them issue by issue and coming in and grabbing your pull list and you've got all these different like it's it's fun. Um, and I for one. I like these big events. I, I'm. I don't know how you guys feel about large scale events. Start with the uh, guest, Marv. What do you think? <laughs> there's um, there's there's like, of all the the big events that you mentioned, like those are the ones that are, um, especially some of the older ones, um, are sort of staples in my mind when I think of like big events because like some of the big crossover stuff like you know the 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 dc crises and like the secret wars and stuff like that i never really read at the time i kind of came to a couple of them later some of them i haven't really bothered to sort of catch up with um 
but for me these like the the sort of ones that are more pertinent to uh what we what we're sort of talking about today you know stuff like the death of superman obviously night nightfall and night's end um emerald twilight things like that those are the ones that i remember most because as you said um for well at least two of the three of them they were covered in mainstream media you know comic fans everywhere were talking about them i remember walking into and past comic shops at the time that um nightfall and the death of superman were going on and like that was my sort of prime comic buying age and just seeing these huge like posters and splashes and you know racks and racks of stuff that all of the tie-ins and stuff that were going on at the time and you even if you weren't reading the comic while it was happening you got sucked into just the hype of the event and what it could possibly mean and you know how how is you know that character's respected world respective world going to recover from this and what does that mean going forward so um i liked at the time the hype and the feeling of a, a, a shake up from the norm it was it didn't feel like oh you know x hero is going up against x villain and you know in two weeks time we know for a fact it's going to be back to the status quo like um after a, a double episode of a sitcom you know you you had no idea how things were going to be on the other side of it so i think they're unique in that in in that regard yeah i mean you always kind of know that the con i mean like if you've been a, if you've been a comics fan for a, for for a long time you always kind of know that the the, the continuity is going to get reset yeah. So you always kind of know that whatever happens in the back of your mind you always know that that's not going to be forever <laughs> somebody else is going to come and pick up the reins and they're going to alter it and reset or, or or the 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 publishing house might decide to completely reset it, you know. They might decide they want to reboot the whole thing and just completely trash everything you've just spent the last 12 months reading. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, well, I, 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 I feel like that's the... I feel like we we know that now and i say we yeah. but like well all comics readers know that now now yeah. you know from sort of 2005 onwards like that was yeah. just the establishment of comic books you know yeah. you know it was always the joke that you know uncle ben and gwen stacy are the only people who stay be- uh, dead and batman's parents and stuff and even that has changed through different spider-man stories and stuff but yeah. at the t- like at the time in like 1992 i remember everyone just being like how can they kill superman what are they gonna do like yeah there were some cynical people who thought rightly that he would be back eventually but you know it was on like fox news and stuff in america they're just like they're killing the man of steel they're killing america (laughs) (laughs) it's it's like this this um but the thing is like the way they did it as well and back then with it being such a, a relatively um novel thing um it it wouldn't have been uh you wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to second guess it you wouldn't have known what happened it would have kept you going because like you've got to remember that previous to this as well they'd killed a robin <laughs> yeah they killed a robin and that robin had stayed dead and if they had you know if they were going to kill a main character like that if they were going to kill jason todd who was still up to this point dead then what you know if if somebody else died in the in the pages of these comic books if superman died or whatever what's to say he wouldn't stay dead yeah because they had they they had the the kind of like the work the they had the bravery to kill a main character so what's to say mm. they don't have the bravery to kill a main character again and it's kind of like it at that time at that point in history when you were reading comics it would have been 
like you would have been on tenterhooks a lot a lot less cynical than you are now having read a lot of these events and knowing how this stuff pans out you know definitely and especially because they went to the trouble with all three of all, all three of the big sort of justice league characters that they did this to and i don't know as much about because I, I i just found out recently that during this time uh, that they were doing this to everyone uh, wonder woman died uh, one of the many times that wonder woman has sort of died and come back um was during this sort of two to three year arc where they were just like taking the sword to characters next but like <laughs> You know, with Superman, because they replaced these characters as well, you were like, my God, you know, they've already got someone lined up to take the mantle. So, you know, you had the Reign of the Superman, you had um, Azrael, Jean-Paul Valet, and you, you yeah. had um, Carl Rayner for Green Lantern. So you were like, if they really want to keep, you know, Bruce and Hal Jordan and, and Kal-El out of the picture... They can because these comics are still going with someone else in the in the yeah. driver's seat, you know. Yeah, this is it. It's it's um, yeah. It would it it people that would have been reading it and would have would have been reading it because this is like we're talking like a year or so of continuity. Mm-hmm. So people that would have read an event like this and carried on reading it would have felt would have thought like that at some point because it would have become the new norm for them. Yeah, um, and you can you can totally see that happening. You can totally see the psychological process there. Uh, when like B-Tech Superman and B-Tech Batman turn up, <laughs> B-Tech Green Lantern, and it's just like, oh, but yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Ray, what's your take on this? Because this will be this will all be fresh ground for you, won't it? Pretty much. Like, I got to say, I I had so much fun listening to you guys just uh, go on a nostalgia trip with that. Like, I've not been present for any of these kind of crossover events, so um, I guess I'm ambivalent <laughs> at best about them because I've. I've never really gone through it. It does sound like if I was there at the time, it would have been perfect. Like I would have had the time and the energy and the enthusiasm for it. I don't think I could cut it now, but like it's one of those don't knock it till you've tried it. Like even the ones that I've potentially been present for, I've not really been aware of anything that's happened recently. Like I'm just not paying attention to it, but it is kind of nice to go back and like check in with you guys to see what is worth catching up on, I guess, in retrospect. Um, the whole thing about there being like hundreds of issues and stuff to catch up on though doesn't doesn't immediately appeal to me. I do like the idea of being given like a a short list of things to read after the event. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I mean, there's always there's always the thing where like this kind of stuff's quite modular, so mm. don't necessarily. I mean, it's it's if you want like the full experience, then read all the tie-ins, but the tie-ins aren't always necessary with a lot of these things. Like the, if you think about the way these events are structured, you can get away with just reading the main event issues and you can skip some of the tie-in stuff because the tie-in stuff isn't necessarily always essential to get the main gist of what's going on. Like if you want the cliff notes, you can just read the the main kind of the main event sort of thing, which is which is always cool with this kind of stuff. Um, like, but I mean, with this, we're, we're, we're going the whole hog. We're doing everything. We're even reading things that aren't part of the event. So, <laughs> cause, cause I want to do this properly because it's Batman. Um, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't realize that was the plan until I got into the plan, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I figured that out the hard way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, what the funny, funny story about this is the fact that, um, at the time, because uh, I, I watched like a, a little excerpt of an interview with Danny O'Neill and uh, we brought up Death of Superman. Um, at the time, the Batman team weren't aware of what the Superman guys were doing. 
So <laughs> they had this whole thing planned, this whole year of continuity. And they, uh, um, Denny O'Neill was saying on this, this little interview, th- this little segment, that he probably wouldn't have done it had he known what they were doing with Superman. <laughs> like just before like because because he I, I think he possibly feels that because of what happened with superman this didn't have the impact it could have had which yeah. because it kind of deducted from the impact a little bit and there's some other things as well that i'll get into later as well but like um he from this from what i've seen him say he wanted um he he wanted he he would because he I think he felt that this was overshadowed by Death of Superman Death of Superman being so much bigger and so much more high stakes than this was because of the way this play this played out this was very insular this was very Gotham just Gotham hmm. um, and it wasn't like it was high stakes for Gotham but on on the scale of the DCU it wasn't such high stakes. Whereas when you look at something like death of Superman, you had like the funeral for a friend stuff where like (laughs) everyone's attending Superman's funeral, like the whole justice league's there. You've got like wonder woman and Batman as his pole bearers or whatever. And it's just like, it's, it's a bit more wide ranging, higher stakes, I guess. Hmm. Well, Um, it it created a poster that every comic fan had up in their bedroom for years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Leon, where are you with these large-scale events, these like mega events, or so similar to Marv, I was like hyper aware of a lot of these big events, and I thought they were cool because they changed up the status quo and like flipped a lot of things on their heads, and like all the stuff you'd lot learnt from comics that you'd read before or any of the animations that were available to us suddenly the big events it was a cool thing because it was like there was a time where silly young me was like found it uh, it was like a fun trivia thing to be like actually peter parker is not the original spider-man blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um whereas now i hate that stuff <laughs> but like um <laughs> back back then it was kind of cool because it was uh it was it was shaking things up and i remember uh i didn't really have any local comic book shops so it was never a thing where i could walk past one but i don't know how without the internet i was just aware of all this stuff obviously part of it was speaking to marv but i i had i think for like birthdays and christmases i had um received like comics um so I, I would get like some of the the bigger runs uh like collected or like just just a bunch of them and i had like a uh, a godfather who was who was pretty good with uh, indulging that hobby as well um and i remember i remember all the um i'd never i hadn't read it at the time but i remember the fallout from crisis on infinite earth and I remember thinking that was like super interesting. How like uh, was it Supergirl had died, and then we had Power Girl, and and it was I didn't know at the time that it was a way for them to fix their continuity. But for me, it, it seemed like this cool thing of like wow, they brought everything together and changed it on its head. So then suddenly, when Superman's dead and everyone's talking about it, it's it's really cool. Um, and but I think that. My feeling on those has changed a little bit because I feel like a lot of the big events now, especially during maybe the aughts and 
definitely the the teens or the 2010s, whatever you want to call them. It, it definitely felt like a crutch for publishers to try and shift comics by doing some sort of stunt. And there were some... There's been some bad, really bad ones. And there's been some, <laughs> like, cool ones. Because, like, say, say, for instance, Civil War. Yeah. That that was really cool. And you can sort of read a, a through line of that and get all, all the, get all you need from the story. And stuff like that I, I found uh, to be quite cool. There was the, uh, the Justice League one, which I can't remember the name of it, but it involved the, like, Omex and... Disassembled one- or...? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure, but it involved Wonder Woman having to do something controversial at the end. Oh, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like I, I thought, all that stuff was like super interesting because they were like it was like fresh takes on a lot of, of these characters. But uh, my mileage definitely varies because um, the aforementioned say Clone Saga scarred me. <laughs> <laughs> as it was one of the big um, Spider-Man runs that I was actually buying for myself with pocket money, and it oh. felt cool at the time because it's like it was just breaking everything you thought of about that character and that world, and then it just went on forever. And I remember at, at the beginning thinking, "Oh, it's kind of cool because you've got this guy like Kane and da da da," but then afterwards it just became waffle. And as I got older and reflected on it, even before like tapping into what other people felt about it at the time. Uh, just reflecting on it, I remember having like sour feelings of my like spectacular Spider-Man uh, <laughs> collections, and thinking like, "Man, this ain't Spider-Man." Like, Spy- the cartoons giving me more Spider-Man than this, them, <laughs> and and it's like the transgressiveness and sort of stunt stuff. It it, it didn't have as much as an impact on me, so I I guess my feeling now, my takeaway now with like big crossover events. Apart from the the thing that Rahul mentioned, where it, it it's just such a turn off when it's like, oh, there's like seventy two issues you need to read across but, five different titles. Yeah, like <laughs> seven different runs, and one of them's weekly. <laughs> but like, um, like beyond that, um, it, it it's a mix because I think that the good ones that I've read, where they're like, they seem to change. They shake up the, st- the status quo, but not in a um, like token way to do something controversial. But they're actually teaching you more about the characters and flipping. It, it feels cool. It, it's what it's what led to us getting cool moments in and enjoying them cinematically in the MCU and stuff like that. Uh, I really like. But I think one, as I drifted away from superhero comics for the most part, but also after like stomaching some of the bad crossovers in the last two decades. Now I'm in a thing now. If you tell me there's a big crossover event happening next year, I, I don't really care unless <laughs> unless I hear that it's amazing from people I, that I can trust. I mm. wait for it to be collected now most of the time. Mm. So I wouldn't go out and... I mean, I the ones that I really, 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 really love, like if it's a Batman crossover event or if it's an X-Men crossover event, I, I, I will go out and I will buy individual issues and I will put them all on my pull list and I'll have the whole thing. Um, if it's something that I really like the idea of, then yes. If it if it's something that I want to read, but I'm not that like invested, then I will wait for it to be collected and just buy the trade, um, or get it digital as a trade, um, because it's like it's it's 
I would love to be able to own every single comic physical, but it's just not viable. It's like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's part of the problem. And it's like, I like getting these events because you feel like you are a part of something. And then when you have it afterwards, the issues, when you have it afterwards and the events over and done with, in a few years time, you've got a hunk of comic history sat there, like in your pull box. Uh, well, in your, it, you wouldn't be in your long box or your short box. Your pull box is the one at the shop. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like you, you just have it there afterwards. You've got a P, you own a piece of comic history and you were a part of that. I guess that's the, that's the whole thing with like when you were a kid walking into comic shops, buying single issues, even buying Spider-Man Clone Saga, much to your, you know, <laughs> disdain. I, I, you know, my condolences, but, um, <laughs> like <laughs> you, you are a part of something because, you know, it, you were you were a part of it because you were a part of history by going in there and buying it. You were a part of that as it happened kind of thing. And because it was happening over time and not just happening all at once as a film or, or um, not just happening in a short amount of time, but over a long period of time, it has even more impact. And you do, you, you, you feel it even more as a fan that read through it over a long period of time. And it will sit with you more because it was such a large part of your life. And yeah. That's, I, that's how that works. No, yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. But I would say the counterpoint to that in a degree, and I'm going to do it again, listeners, I'm sorry. I'm going to uh, make a point about comics by talking about another media. Uh, but... <laughs> In the same way that, like, TV shows that I watch as they came out over the years have a bigger impact on me for the most part than TV shows that I've binged in the last, say, 10 years or so. Uh, because you're there for each one, and then you've got the zeitgeist, you've got talking to your friends about bits in between uh, episodes and seasons. Uh, that's good. But then when that's bad, as, as is the same with comic books, it's really bad because... Sometimes you can, even at a younger age, you can kind of feel when you're being dragged along by the publishers and mm. um, you're like, wow, I waited a month for this. I like use my pocket. Money. Like I was, I was not a rich kid yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I was younger. And I was like, <laughs> man, I spent my pocket money on this and like nothing happened. It was the equivalent. I didn't know what uh, filler episodes in anime was at the time, but it, it definitely, sometimes I had that feeling where it's like, oh, they're just spinning the wheels. I, I've I've got random issues of Spider-Man that were like during the Clone Saga, and I remember being like, "Oh, who's this Kane dude? He's really cool." And like you said, not a rich kid, so like I buy one issue, and then like ten issues later, I pick up another one. I was like, "Oh, this stuff's still going on." <laughs> and it's it is it is odd because you you sort of yeah. think to yourself, "Man, when when will this end? When will I have context?" And sometimes it almost feels like it's not worth following it, um, you know, issue by issue at that age, but. But you, you, you kind of, you live it like it, this is what the, the, you're not, um, you're not like experiencing it in the same way. Like, you know, like when you binge watch something on Netflix, you experience it because you watch 10 episodes in a row. But when you, when you get something month by month and you get time to digest and break it down and wallow in it and discuss it with other people, you live it. Hmm. And that's the difference. Um, so that's mega events um and spinning out of that discussion so that that is like the kind of like you 
this is this is what we're we're coming to now. So this is a mega event that we're about to discuss now. A mega event or a huge crossover that crossed over and spanned all of the bat books um that were being published back then in the nineties. It, it kind of had its finger in everything. Um and uh, it was such a huge piece. So we start off with like the building blocks for what would be nightfall. So um Denny O'Neill um being the um Dennis O'Neill being the writer on Batman Venom and also the editor of the Batman line at the time um he had already introduced uh Bane's birthplace Santa Prisca in uh an issue in the question um the question we know about the question he's the guy that um Rorschach's based on in the what in the Watchmen stuff um you can go on and find more about the question. He's uh, he's a he's a pretty interesting character, um, and also um, in the pages of Azrael, he had introduced Bane's perception of Venom, and he'd also um, written a short mini series, um, which was like a, a short arc within um, Batman: Legend of the Dark Knight, which was a, a Batman book being published at the time. Now. Primarily, Batman Legends of the Dark Knight was primarily stories from earlier in Batman's career. Um, and it was kind of like um, mostly mostly what they would call year one stuff, where it's like early in Batman's career. And it's like showing Batman kind of like uh, learning, you know, learning the ropes of being a vigilante and things like that. And, and a more green Batman possibly more prone to mistakes and things like that. So in Legends of the Dark Knight, across issues 16 to 20... This is where we get the introduction of the drug Venom, which is so central to this whole Nightfall storyline, because this is the stuff that fuels Bane. Bane being, if you've ever, I mean, like, should I have to describe Bane to people? I think I will anyway. But he's like this big kind of like wrestler type dude. He's huge in size. He's muscle bound. He's already like hench as hell. And then what he does is he pumps himself full of this hyper addictive like ridiculously effective steroid called venom <laughs> that turns him into an absolute monster. Um, now where we're going with this is, um, so we should just dive straight into Batman venom, I believe mm. because that's where all of this starts. So this, all of this starts, uh, in Batman venom, which was published um, March to July 1991, and it's the introduction to the drug Venom. And like, uh, what we see throughout this is we see uh, the story of Batman himself, sort of like close to the beginning of his career. We see how failure haunts Batman in this story. We get to see Batman as vulnerable and fallible. We get to see Batman struggling and suffering with addiction. And this theme of failure, the haunt of failure for Batman is something that will continue on and something that we get to see a lot of throughout this nightfall line, actually. Mm, um, definitely. It's something where with Batman, Batman, Batman's drive and Batman's struggle to deal with and accept his own limitations and how that can ultimately lead to his defeat or worse. Venom is good at showcasing this. And this is where the seeds are planted. And um, we can't, this is where we kind of get the first puzzle pieces for, for what what nightfall is going to be um and it's all seeded here in these first few issues here with batman venom 
Um, now, this isn't actually officially part of the Nightfall event. This is just something that I feel if we're going to discuss Nightfall, we need to have an appreciation for. Um, because this is some, this is where, for me, this is where it begins. Yes, yeah, the, the seed of it. Yeah, this is like Batman's, um, Batman's sort of like the beginning of his introduction to Venom and where, where, like, like I say, where we see him struggling to deal with failure and everything else. So we will kick off with, I'll give you kind of like a short overview of what happens here in this book. So it's a, it's a pretty kind of like simple premise here where Batman is, um, early in his career fails to save a young girl from drowning because he's not strong enough. So what we have is him going into a, um, this girl is kidnapped and Batman goes into this, uh, this abandoned waterworks, uh, to try and save the girl. And there is, um, an explosion and a, sort of like rock slide type thing. Um, part of the building falls down and Batman, she's stuck behind this rock and Batman can't get to her in time before the place fills with water. He can't lift the rock. He's trying his hardest to shift the rock. He gives it his everything and he fails. And that haunts him afterwards. The, the kind of like the face of that, that girl, like having just drowned underwater is something that haunts him throughout the book. Um, and it pops up in multiple places throughout, actually, the odd panel of just her face underwater. Um, and that is what kind of drives him to question himself, the failure that haunts him and, and what ultimately pushes him to turn to the designer steroid Venom, which is being peddled by this girl's father, who is really really strangely indifferent and cold to the fact that his daughter has just died but more on that in a bit when we actually dive into the book a bit further like later on because he just he doesn't doesn't seem to register on him at first and um yeah so batman batman starts taking the drug to kind of like start taking venom to kind of like enhance himself so so uh, with the goal of preventing something like this from ever happening ever again and uh, it just kind of like spirals out from there. So um, if we start with Ray, what was your first impressions of this? Okay, so the context for this is I've never read any of this. I don't, I've never read Nightfall, so I don't really, I didn't really know what this is going to lead into. I still don't because I've not started reading Nightfall. But what I will say is I had a lot more fun with both of these books that we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about Venom and Prelude to Nightfall. I had a lot more fun with both of these books than I expected. And what I've realized is that I've been spoiled by the relatively few, like relative to you guys, at least, um, like the few Batman graphic novels I've read, where they're all these like tightly closed narratives that feel appropriate as standalone books. You know, like you're killing jokes, hushes, year ones, dark nights, etc. And in contrast, Venom and Prelude to Nightfall are very like openly just segments or possibly even just offcuts from serialized narratives. And this took a little while to come to terms with. And all of this is just to say that I feel like the quality and my interest shifted rapidly from issue to issue through both of these books. But I will say, I think of the two, Venom is decidedly the worst of the two. Like it, it has some exceptional fight scenes. Like if I want to talk about the stuff I really liked, amazing fight scenes. Which, um, and it's just let down by some like horrendous cheap racial and gender stereotypes. But like by the end of Prelude to, uh, by the end of Prelude to Nightfall, like when I got to the end of that one, I came to appreciate why uh, Venom was included as recommended reading um, because it is cool to see the origin of the Venom drug and what I think is Bruce's really dumb dalliance with it. But overall, I don't really think it was required reading. Um, 
and I would have been fine moving just straight into Prelude to Nightfall, I think. Um, but we can we can talk about that later. I mean, like the, in in my opinion, like when I was talking about the fight scenes, I think both of these books are at their best when they're changing gears to focus on moments of drama, like the opening you said, where Batman is trying and failing to save Sissy from this drowning cave, and like or Batman entering a battle. So like comics get to condense and stretch these moments of time, and both of these books have incredible fight sequences where you showed these uh, individual moments in a sequence, and like these punctuated beats, blow by blow. blow. And Venom has some really good moments of this. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's the, the best that I could take from it. Because all of the rest, all of like the, the drama, uh, which felt a little bit soap opery, I'm not really there for, but I understand why it was given in the context. Yeah, so it's not so much a bit of, um, an explosion, by the way, sorry, as part of the building collapsing because of the storm. Um, or part of the uh, where he is collapsing. It's kind of like a storm drain type thing, isn't it, where he is? Um but yeah, um, like I can I can see what you mean about like some of it being a little bit problematic and things like that. But I a little bit, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah, no, sure, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just it, it. Well, yeah, it's super problematic. I can't lie. But like, it's I don't know. I just feel like it was the when I read Batman Venom, like I I had already I read Venom after I read Nightfall. So, and that's pro- that's probably the right way to do it, maybe. Yeah, or it, may- I, it, may- it might be the way that gives it the most sense of like weight. Because yeah. for me right now, it feels very slight. And like seeing seeing the the origins of like who the 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 poison like this poisonous drug came from, and like how Bruce deals with it, like a whiny teenager, is kind of off putting. Yeah. Um, but there's some cool fight scenes. That's what I got from it. I mean, there is some really nice artwork in it. And uh, oh, the art, the art is gorgeous. I will say that. Like, yeah. Sorry, go, go on, go on. I say there's some really gorgeous use of color as well, especially in the beginning with the scene where he's trying to save Sissy, and there's all these like greens used and things like that. And like, there's this really what they managed to get across quite effectively in this for for the you know for everything else that it completely fails at miserably um, with with how you know like. It, it it does actually get across this whole you know like the 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 idea of addiction and how it can warp a person and how how like um addiction and drug use and and the effects that that can have on you psychologically and what that can do to even somebody as strong-willed as batman yeah i i will say like the the artwork is really good it's really moody and like has amazing lighting and color tones and it like it does i feel like it does the heavy lifting to sell the stuff that you just mentioned like yeah. the uh, how hard bruce is fighting against his addiction because on paper like in just the script i feel like it's sold really short but the art does a really good job of like mm. making it feel tense and like horrific yeah marv where do you sit on this um well i mean hands up fully um for venom versus prelude to nightfall which i've not read before um uh, the run-up to this episode um i am mildly tainted by nostalgia for venom because mm. venom is part of the sort of collection of comics that um were either bought for me or um inherited from not inherited that makes it sound like he's gone uh given to me by my dad when i was younger when i started getting into comics myself so the issues of Venom that I have are ones that my, my, my dad gave to me and I've, um, you know, I read them back in the nineties and um, obviously a very different mindset to reading them as an adult now. Um, but, e- e- you know, even sort of the then versus now um, opinions of them are fairly similar in that, 
like Rahul said, there are mo- there are moments where your interest wanes. Like even though it's only a five issue story, and um, pacing wise, it does technically move it quite a peg to sort of get through the story. There are yeah. chunks of the story where you kind of feel like, eh, okay, you know, get back to the main mm-hmm. thing. Um, mm-hmm. One thing, one thing that I will say about it, um, you know, between sort of things like Venom, Nightfall, um, Death in the Family, um, I re- you know, I've realised thinking about it that my favourite Batman stories are, like you said, Greg, where Batman is struggling with his own limits and his failures and what he can't do as, you know, a man who has just sort of tried to maximise his potential rather than being, you know, the lost son of Krypton or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the, 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 the first issue and the loss of Sissy um, is fantastic and, like, moments where, like... um Alfred is like, oh, he's torturing himself. He set the clock to the time his parents died. And then he goes in to see what he's doing. And he's trying to lift the exact right amount of weight that the rock was to see if he can do it and try and push past that. He's just beating himself up constantly. Uh, and there's, there's even the scene um, later on where he's like, he's unconscious and he has the nightmare of Superman calling him the man of paper. Yeah. It's just, it's wonderful to see sort of the inside of Batman's mind when he's disappointed in himself basically <laughs> oh yeah yeah he's like but someone died and he's super hard on himself about it and that's that's how i can fully imagine batman being mm. um and and even like I'm, i just want to go back to those first few pages where he's failing to save sissy because those that's probably like the best part the best few pages of the book mm. just batman mm. trying over and over again and failing and the water getting higher and higher and the way that's laid out and the artwork is just absolutely gorgeous and that's like that's trevor von eden's layouts and russell bronze pencils here um jose luis garcia lopez doing inks um and it's just it's just so beautiful uh you got steve olive on colors and it's just like he's trying to like he's trying to shift this 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 lump of stone and it's not just the fact that she died and the fact that he failed to save her he broke a promise Mm. and i think that weighs on him as well because of how batman's whole identity is based on a promise a vow he made over his parents bodies in crime alley yeah so it's just it, it i can see why this is like such an effective kind of like or why that beginning part is so effective and yet the your interest does wane and there are points in this book where i would read through it and i would think why would bruce let that happen or why would batman let that happen you know like i, I mm. there's things i see him do decisions i see him make that i think that's not that's not Batman thinking critically or, or as Batman should think. And I don't know if that's partially because of the venom or if it's because he's early on in his career or what the issue is there with that. But it, it kind of like, it, that is the thing that kind of like pulls me out of it a little bit sometimes is seeing Batman make that kind of, but then again, we have to remember that the whole point of this book is to show that Batman's prone to making mistakes. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think it does do a really good job of, flip-flopping between his weakness and like the hold that the venom drug has on him because yeah. like you were saying there are there's definitely moments where you think why are you why are you doing that and like it goes to the it does go to the effort to show just how stressed to the limit he is but i do feel like that is slightly underwritten or undersold mm-hmm. and it makes it does make you have that feeling of like yeah. this is this is a bit dumb stuff like why didn't batman immediately pick up that this guy is so cold and indifferent to the death of his daughter <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's and, not the kind of stuff that i want to nitpick too hard because it's yeah. it's just you know silly it's, it's narrative time, stuff but... very of its time but yeah <laughs> i mean this <laughs> is this is comics writing like back then this is pretty much um 
especially for these kind of like showcase type things like Dark Knight, uh, Tales of the Dark Knight. Um, it's not, um, this is, this is kind of like what you would expect. I mean, mm. comic writing has evolved since then. Yeah. Yeah. If you look definitely. at something like this and you look at something that is of, that is this kind of, um, this, you look at something, this kind of format now, mm. it's, it's so different and comic writing has evolved so much between then and now. So I kind of, I have to look at it with the, the critical eye of it's of its time. And I have to know that that's why it's how it is. But Leon, well, how did you, how did you, um, how did you find this? Yeah. So this is one that I had read before younger. Um, but reading it now, it was almost like reading a new book, but I had deja vu at some point. And yeah, I, I would echo a lot of what you all said. Uh, I think the main strength of this book is especially, as you say, the the first issue and uh, Batman trying and failing to save Sissy. That stuff is done so well. Like, um, you could present that as like a comic made like yesterday, and it 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 follows a lot of the similar like structure, like and panel layout. Uh, mm. in quite a dynamic way and mm. what's not too common for like main run comic book stuff uh, in my experience from this time is letting some of those panels just breathe at times um, mm. and this does it and the way it goes back and forth between the water level rising uh, and uh, Batman exerting himself it, it's, it's just done so well and the use of like the green and the, the light ref- uh, reflecting off the water it's it's done so well and, and so effective that when it jumps from the I feel like now the shot after he he screams her name it'd be like a uh, like a splash page of her of her face but I mm. like that they just do the panel and then they just jump jump to him returning she died and um, all of this stuff like feels like really good um, and then I it does get it does get weird because. Um, even taking in the context of like how they wrote a lot of these things, often I found in my experience you you just get things like sort of assumptions. So like you don't get they paper over some of the gaps with some like sort of hokey explanations a lot of the times. And that happens with a lot of these superhero comics from back then where they explain something, either getting too technical with it, where it's like, I use my super spider spray or something, <laughs> or they um, they paper over and it's like, yeah, uh, this happened because this happened. Yeah. And with this, I remember thinking it was kind of weird, like, Batman's yet to take the venom, but like as you're saying, Greg, like, he is... Um, He's not reacting. Like the world's greatest detective is not reacting to this guy's weird indifference. And part of me not not remembering the comic from the first time I read it was thinking, "Does this tie back in later?" But mm. um, it's it's weirdly like perfunctory. But then, so like I always found that bit kind of weird, and it did feel almost like this. Um, it's it does tie like, back in later in a weirdly sort of way. Yeah, yeah, but I think, like, I mean, like, the construction of it did kind of have this feeling of, like, a holdover from the Nancy Reagan just say no type thing. Because yeah. part, of, part of the 
the read of the comic does feel like uh, drugs are bad and junkies are awful people. Screw them. and hmm. punch them in the face with my superpowered muscles. Um, but, like, I, I think that that element is, is almost like dream logic in a way. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, take a pill. <laughs> like, it, it, is, it is weird. Um, but then once... Um, once Batman's on the source, a lot of that stuff works better because you can, like, uh, you can excuse it as, like, he's just, like, he's intoxicated with it. Because it is, yeah. it, it, I, I do think it nails, as you guys have said, I, I do think it nails his reaction to his failure. And as is the running theme throughout all of these books that we've read, uh, all these issues, is that Batman is tired, man. <laughs> He's burnt <laughs> out. And um, he's kind of like a gig worker in a way. But um, He's not tired like, here in Venom. This is the beginning of his career. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that. Well, yeah. I suppose in in Venom he's emotionally tired, yeah, and then he, when we get onto the next book, his body yeah. is done. <laughs> Whereas yeah. in, in, in this, it's it's uh, he's not good enough yet. Mm. That that's that's the main uh, thing here. Yeah. But like it, it's um, once he's on that stuff, his um, the way he's dealing with stuff does come across quite quite well and like less hokey in ways. And I do mm. uh, like. Uh, Marv brought up the uh, the panel with like uh, the panels with like uh, Superman. And it's like, well, my friend, if I'm the Man of Steel, you must be the Man of Tissue. That that stuff is is done so well, and I just it's one of the things that I love about the comics that for a long time we never got in like other media for this stuff for a long time, and it's the fact that yeah, this is one world, and Batman can just have a hallucination with Superman in it, yeah. uh, and. I do love that when you get those peaks behind the curtain because Batman's a badass. He's the world's greatest detective. He's the Dark Knight. But uh, And obviously the meme is like his parents died and he's dealing with it. But I do love when we get to see his other insecurities and mm. especially with this being earlier in his career, it, it's done quite quite well, I think. And it's um, mm. it's done quite quite efficiently. And um, I just, I, I love the, I love the last panel in the book where Batman just laughing money. <laughs> just, it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. You know what? And this is, this is a proper deep cut. You know what it reminded me of um, in Sonic the comic when uh, Supersonic is just blowing everything up and like he might have killed Tails, he might have killed Amy and he's just laughing and laughing Cackling. and laughing until, yes. until he transforms back and realizes what he's done and he just like falls to his knees and thinks he's killed everyone. Yes. It's so good. It's the yes. same sort of emotion you get because you're not supposed to see a hero like that, especially someone as stoic as Batman. That yeah. maniacal laughter is it's bone someone, chilling. Someone as in control of their functions and emotions, and someone who is as steely and strong willed as Batman. Like, <laughs> there's times where I sit there thinking, like, I mean, I know, I know there has been times in the comics where Batman has been a Green Lantern, but there's times where I sit there thinking, like, why the ring didn't choose Batman? <laughs> Maybe it's because he took Venom once. <laughs> <laughs> His soul has been tainted by the drugs. Well, it's like, it's like oh, you, you gave in, man. I'm sorry. You know, you're not that strong-willed. <laughs> you gave in to peer pressure and took drugs. Uh, 
I, I like this one moment. I think it's the third, third or fourth issue into this, where like the scientist tosses the pills into a bush, and like Batman dives after them, picks them up, and then he laughs maniacally again for like maybe the third time in this book, and then immediately his face drops, and he's like, "Oh shit, what what's what's happening to me?" Like yeah. that, some of those moments are really good. But the, the, <laughs> I love the irony of the the where he goes out like harassing junkies. Like, oh, when, he, when he's yeah. when he's like a grey hole because Mister Fix It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, no, but the irony of that whole thing where he's like, I hate junkies, junkies are scum, and all this, and he's like harassing junkies, but then he is a junkie at that point, yeah, and it's like the whole irony of him saying that, but he himself is has become the one thing that he kind of you know that he decides he hates kind of thing, and it's like. I quite like that they, they got that in there and that you can actually feel that through the page, the irony of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I like the, the nods to uh, Batman 66, the shark repellent nod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, like, I think across these five issues, there, there is good and bad. As, as Mark pointed out earlier, the pacing is, like, kind of all over the shop. Um, and... Um, as Rahul pointed out, the the very sort of like obviously it's been made a, a point, and often it's coming from like bad guys, but it, the very clumsy like <laughs> racism and homophobia. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is. Uh, I know it's it, it's not as it's not as efficient as it works, but I I do think that with the general that stuff's handled really like subtly at the beginning. Mm. where he's talking about those people. You know who I'm talking mm. about. But it's never really explicit. Like, you just assume, like, uh, you would just assume he, being, like, a general and that kind of stereotype of, like, um, disliking degenerates, quote-unquote, and mm. um, having like a disdain. Yeah, ha- yeah, and having a disdain for people who don't, don't pull themselves up by their bootstraps and stuff like that. And I do like how there is a, a, a taint in that because he's quite nationalistic mm. and it's quite like a xenophobic like racism tone that they kind of ham-fistedly make explicitly, like super explicit later. But mm. I did like it at the beginning where it's... Uh, it's subtle. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's subtle. And I think it being subtle actually spoke more about uh, that character and his relationship yeah. with his son and stuff like that. And and I do think they like. I I was taken aback by how well I think the Timmy stuff is done mm. because ultimately it's like who cares about this like little douchebag or <laughs> but um it it is it, I think it's handled really well like when him and Batman first meet uh obviously Batman's a bit out of his mind but I do think that. That stuff's quite good, uh, even even without the bit where it's like, watch out, Batman. Later, I think even <laughs> ju- if, even just that interaction with them, like there's a panel where he's just smiling and he's kind of like dopey and like uh, maybe himboish, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and but he he just seems like he's just being dragged around by his dad, and it's like there was a better life for this dude. Mm. Uh, so like seeing that arc of like. Obviously, we know his dad does not give a crap about him, but seeing that actually come and then he just gets turned into a monster and the way how his face looks and stuff, it is quite... Um, like, it's hard to watch people degrade 
Mm. Um, and you see, even though he gets bigger, you do see his like de- he degrades and he just becomes like an automaton. Uh, and I, I did think that was handled pretty well, considering how little we see him for the most part. Yes. Yeah. Again, because it's only five issues, you feel like they cover a lot. Like again, like if if you say there's like fifteen quote unquote plot lines going on, like three of them, you're like, I don't need to see this, or this is handled badly. But the fact that they managed to do so many of those like little subplots really well speaks volumes. Like you said, the Timmy stuff is fantastic, and the fact that it's it's set, you know, it's a globe trotting adventure, which usually it would end up being like a a huge trade paperback Batman story, like a Death yeah. in the Family, where you end up in different countries and stuff like that. So there's there's time skips in this as well, like big ma- amounts of time um, pass and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, which, which does lead me to like a semi-criticism mm. there, because um, like on one hand, I think the rehab in the Batcave is done quite cool, where we just don't see him, and then he comes out and he's got the beard and stuff, mm. and um, having uh, Alfred there being like, "I'm done with you." And it's like, mm. "Man, I need your help, man." I'll be there. I'll be there in ten minutes. Like <laughs> I, I do, I do kind of like that, and him checking in on the buzzer just to uh, the intercom, just to hear him to, to see if he's okay, and uh, being like, "Hey, man, it's been three weeks. That's enough, right?" Um, like all that stuff's quite humanizing uh, yeah. that I quite liked because I, I think like earlier on when I was like saying Batman um, is is sort of over it along these books, um, I think the reason why that. I think it's still true with uh, Venom, even though it's set earlier, is that him and Alfred are already at each other's neck. (laughs) Alfred's, like, quitting and stuff, and it's like, man, we ain't even got a Robin yet. uh, Alfred's Alfred's quitting because Batman's doing drugs, man. Alfred ain't down with that. Alfred's his dad. (laughs) Effectively, Alfred is his father, and Alfred does not like seeing what this shit does to his son. But they're still kind of sniping at each other because... uh, from the point where Batman's sort of broken after Sissy's death, yeah. um, he like they 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 have an antagonistic relationship, which isn't the normal Alfred Batman antagonistic sort of sniping thing. It, it, it yeah. it's already a bit more a bit more serious. Mm. I think this is Alfred's as, as like I I don't approve of what you're doing at all. Like, because it's early in Batman's career, and I, I feel like this would be Alfred still hadn't made peace with the fact that Batman's going out in a costume, beating people up and getting beaten up. And it doesn't help that Batman's on drugs and he's turned into a dickhead teenager. Like, yeah. that's the dynamic they've got at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I but- do like, I, I do like alongside that though, uh, with the point you were making, Leon, about um, like them being at each other's throats, and and to add to what Greg was saying with. Um, Alfred not approving of him being Batman still, uh, you know, not having come to peace with it as he would do in, later on in Batman's career, I guess. Um, mm. I do like the moment where he is going out as like, quote unquote, Mr. Fix-It, and Alfred's like, you know, maybe you're not putting the costume on because what the costume represents would be ashamed of what you are right yeah. now. Yeah, And that, that cuts him to his core, and it's it's such a good thing because it's not Alfred thinking this moment would be a good, uh, a good time for me to try and talk him out of this whole vigilante stuff. It's like, no, I'm going to use what I know about him to make him realize how disappointed I am right now. And then he's like, well, you're not my real dad anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, and that, like to go back to why I went down this, this, um, this hole mm. is that, um, I think 
what I think what what the strength is with not seeing what uh, well getting glimpses later of what Batman went through. I kind of want to read the comic where we, we spend a month with Batman uh, <laughs> in, in in like uh, in like self self made uh, rehab as he's uh, uh, coming coming back. Like oh, I think because be... I think a lot of that would be in his head, and we yeah. could it, it would be quite cool. Obviously, that's not this book, but like um, part of me feels like if this was a six issue book, a, a, an issue three or whatever, where he was going through that, could have been really good for getting into the mind of um, into the mind of of uh, Batman. Yeah. But um, it, it is striking when he comes out and he's just like uber bearded. Maybe, like, in modern, like, more modern comics, like, today, maybe within the way that they, the way that they work and write today, maybe that would have been something they would have actually factored in, actually, thinking about it. Because I think about similar stories today, and I think about how, yeah, they probably would have done that. Hmm. I was going to go a a, a different path of that, because, like, I was thinking... um, with the, the, the rehab stuff and the internalization of pain and the, the, especially with the nightmare bit about Superman is that if they had have gone with him into the cave and you've already got like, um, enough of a parallel with the, uh, the sadistic doctor trying to get him addicted to drugs, it would have been very much like Weapon X where you've got like, like you were saying about being in his head while it's happening, Leon, it would have been like mm. an internal, an internal exploration of his like pain and like the coming down cold turkey and stuff. Oh, you mean the, um, the, the bit, the big, towards the end of weapon x where it's like man to beast and he kind of like goes through that transformation and goes through the door well uh, that that bit and but, um, yeah. also the flashes that you get of like the imagery on the computer screens of like his dreams and how yeah. he how he perceives his pain is just like his bones like tearing him apart from the inside out and stuff like you could have got really trippy with it you know because obviously batman is um at the drop of a hat batman will have a nightmare about a giant bat demon chasing him or something you could have had anything where he's like in the cave and the cave cracks apart and you know demons are coming up out of lava and stuff and he's having to make his way past all that inventive imagery is what i'm going for explaining it very badly (laughs) no i know i know what you're going for and it, and it, it sounds absolutely amazing and i'm getting fomo (laughs) because <laughs> uh, i but like i can imagine had this been later in batman's career as well one of those things climbing out of the pit probably would have been jason todd <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely uh but yeah um so i mean like later this is basically the as well in this we, we talk about this being the introduction of venom but we get to go to santa prisca in this as well mm. so we go to bane's homeland even though we don't see anything of uh pina dura or uh, Pinaduro, even sorry, or uh, Bane himself. Um, Bane's possibly still a teenager at this point. I, I don't know. I don't know how far back we're going with this, or how mm. old Bruce is supposed to be when we get to Nightfall. Um, uh, I, but this is like uh, there's this whole thick bit where Batman's shirtless fighting uh, sharks, and it just makes me think of Batman sixty six. Hmm. Um, it's got like this nine, the, like the whole 1966 vibes. You can imagine Adam West doing that to save Alfred from villain <laughs> of the week. Um, and then you've got like um, some really awesome the 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 the, uh, the ingenuity because we we what I like about this as well is it's lo-fi Batman, hmm. like lo-fi low-tech Batman. This is I like lo-fi low-tech Batman. I I, I like Batman now. I, I like Batman with all his like gadgets and things but i feel like over time batman's getting more and more like iron man 
Yeah. And uh, I I like Batman like this, where he's just basically got his wits. And we've got like low-tech Batman escaping from the, the whole moment where he has to escape from the, the, um, the prison cell. Oh, that's so good. The, My other favorite sequence. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. tempt him with the pills, yeah. The, the sadistic mm. choice. Yes, yes. Mm. And he, he does it without the pills. He he's manages to overcome the temptation by remembering how he was as a snarling beast when he was when he locked himself in the uh, in the cave. And uh, his, but, his and also like the moment to moment like him puzzling out how to do it and seeing yeah. his whole thought process and then the escape. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. yeah. Just, this is this is the t- this is like prime Batman for me. This is this is why this is like the most effective Batman for me. This is the Batman I love. This is lo-fi, you know, using his head Batman. This is what I like. No, I, I, I agree with you, with, yeah. uh, Greg, because um, I think beyond, say, the various Batmobiles, the various Bat bikes, and the various, like, Nightwings, basically his, like, flagship vehicles, I'm all about, like, lo-fi Batman. It's just more interesting there. Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm not really the big fan of, like, he, uh, he has the Deus Ex Machina in his utility belt. Mm-hmm. I, I always prefer just, like, maybe a Batarang or two to... Um, confuse people and then it's just like batman using his bat brain yeah maybe a yeah seeing seeing the world's smartest detective like demonstrating that skill is yeah. always awesome yeah. exactly and that's that's what i i like batman when it gets back to bare bones detective stories like the costumed detective that he is because mm. he's, he's what he is he's the world's greatest detective he's um that's that's the whole like crooks of what batman is and what batman was conceived as like his first appearance was in detective comics like so getting him back to that kind of like pure state is always a really cool thing to see Hmm. and that's what i like about these um these 90s batman stories as well because we get a lot of that a lot of like pure detective batman which is cool Hmm. um so yeah, so this is the introduction of Venom and also the introduction of San- well, not the introduction of Santa Prisca, but also we get to see Santa Prisca, uh, this fictional location in um, the DC universe. It's a it's a fictional Caribbean island, um, and uh, it's it's like Cuba but not Cuba, basically. It's <laughs> the easiest way to describe it. Yeah. Um, not Cuba, Cuba. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we've uh, fast forward from that, and two Robins later, <laughs> <laughs> Venom rears its ugly head again, and uh, what we get is uh, so now we're moving on to uh, Batman Prelude to Nightfall. So uh, what I should point out as well, by the way, the credits for Batman Venom. We've got uh, Dennis O'Neill uh, wrote the story, Trevor Von Eden on layouts, Russell Brown on pencils, uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez is inks, uh, Willie Schubert is letters, and Steve Olive on colours, and uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez does the covers. And this is Batman created by Bob Kane. Um, yeah, my version doesn't have Bill Finger in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither, neither did mine to my yeah. So, yeah. like, um, I mean, like, I, you know what, actually, I can actually, when I'm just flicking back through Venom again, actually, just to go back to it, I can see echoes of Baland. Like, in the way that the, um, the art is, how it's so clear and so, like, precise with the lines and everything, and how everything's so clean. 
it just i it's got like it's got that killing joke about it that killing joke kind of aura about it if you will um you know what um that first uh part of the first issue really reminded me of just the way batman walks that sullen walk he has because when he's walking in um at the beginning of the killing joke and when he walks out and he's having the laugh with the joker i got such a flashback to that when i was um thinking you know when you read in those panels and he's like oh you know the tunnel's about to collapse there's a girl in there i don't know what else to say and he just walks away from him and then when he comes back out and he just walks past the guy and he's just she's dead it's very much um the killing joke mm-hmm. so prelude to nightfall <laughs> so this is this is where it actually begins so we we've uh we've read batman venom we've we've had our introduction to the drug venom and uh we are now going to see venom in action because we are looking into prelude to nightfall now so this is uh part of the batman nightfall event published between 1993 and 1994 this is uh begins and opens with vengeance of bane which was january 1993 which was a one shot uh at the time it then got a sequel um, but this is um, the introduction of Bane to the DC universe. This is Bane's first appearance, Bane's origin, and everything else explained. So in Batman Vengeance of Bane, we get an introduction to Bane. We get his origins. We get the twisted building of a monster born into hell and forged in the fires of a ruthless prison. Almost the mirror image and yet antithesis of Batman in a way. This is the way I view Bane anyway. So Batman chose to become fear. Bane seeks to destroy fear. Bane seeks to conquer to prove himself. Batman seeks to uphold a vow and a promise to prove himself. They're kind of like almost like the anti, the opposite. Like Bane is like the anti-Batman at this point. Mm. Um, In that it is, it is like a twisted mirror image of Batman. Um, And like, so Bane is is born into this prison as a young boy. He is serving his basically his mother was pregnant and then uh the 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 law in Santa Prisca this this kind of like ancient outdated law is that Bane must the the, the if if the father dies the son must serve the sentence. So Bane is born in prison and ends up serving his father's sentence. Like he grows up in prison, he knows nothing else. His mother is in prison, she has she gives birth to him in prison. His whole life is in the walls of Pina Duro, um, which is Bane's kind of like, I guess that's Bane's back cave because he <laughs> ends up back there a few times and that's kind of like his place. Hmm. So this is, this is Bane's kind of like base of operations. If you like later on in Bane's um, history throughout Batman comics, Pina Duro is Bane's kind of like home base. It's like his base of operations. So this is Bane like the training sequence kind of thing. So this is Bane growing up and Bane learning as he grows up kind of like with Batman's origin, Batman's parents are killed in front of him and then he grows up and then he goes off and gets training from all these different places. This is kind of like Bane's forging and how he was left in solitary confinement for years and how he was treated by the other inmates. And, and then he became a legend in there and they started to, um, they started to almost worship him within the walls of this prison. Um, and he almost became the myth that Batman was to Gotham in a way. Um, Hmm. and then he learns of Gotham by, from one of the other inmates 
uh, and then he decides that he is going to go and conquer Gotham to prove himself. So he's going to, he's going to go to defeat Batman and, and conquer Gotham to prove himself. Basically, that's the whole thing is I, you know, I am the king of this castle. I want to be the king of that castle as well. Um, and he, he learns this through his allies. So like he's his ally bird who is like, he was like a, a big shot lawyer in Gotham. And then he was sent to prison in Pina Duro. Um, and like, he has this kind of like uncanny way with birds. He's also got a sweet blonde mullet. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's, um, he's, he can like, communicate with birds and things like that because he uses like birds as spies and stuff he's kind of like bane's intelligence yeah um you've got trog who is the muscle and also has some electronics knowledge uh and then you've got zombie who is bane's personal chemist that creates the venom for him all of these people are bane's backup they're bane's family these are his alfred etc so what you have to remember as well is actually going back to this in in this this particular time in Batman comics, Batman doesn't just have Alfred. Batman has Harold who does all the tech for him. And Batman has Robin who kind of like does an awful lot for him as well in, in like in the field, like has his back and whatever else goes out and collects intelligence for him. So you've got like Bane's sort of like team of um allies mirroring batman's closest allies as well because i guess bird would be somewhere between alfred bird is almost like alfred actually like providing him with the intelligence maybe someone to bounce off um and zombie is kind of like a little bit of alfred as well because he provides bane what bane needs to sustain him and you've also got a little bit of harold because harold allnut is like batman's tech guy at this point so you've also got a little bit of Harold Allnut in there with with uh, Zombie as well. And then Trog is kind of like the, the middle ground, like Trog is the, the Robin almost. Hmm. Um, in the way that I kind of like view these as a mirror image of Batman. So you've got, you've got Bane conceived as this, the ultimate reckoning for Batman at this point already. Like he is this mirror image of Batman. And then all of this is foreshadowed and explained in Vengeance of Bane. And this is also Bane's, uh, towards the end of this book, we get Bane's kind of like first appearance in Gotham, um, where Bane has gone to Gotham and has begun studying Batman or has, has at least begun to observe Gotham and has taken his first kind of like, um, f- his first kind of night out observing Batman at least. Hmm. Um, in his his bid to take over Gotham, realizing that there's more to it than he originally thought, because it's not just going to be a question of uniting all of the crime families. It's going to, or, or, or under his rule, it's going to be a question of he must remove the Batman as well. And that's where this idea is seeded here in the pages of um, Vengeance of Bane. Now, what I was going to say as well, um, at this point as well, when they were when they so. We talk about the way that the whole Nightfall thing was actually conceived. Um, so there was this two-part story um, that was written by... Um, it, was, it was like a two-part story written by Peter Milligan, which was the initial idea for the character of Azrael. It, it, that's where that came from. Um, it was pitched by Peter Milligan, who was currently writing Detective Comics... Uh, around that time 1991 he had this whole thing where batman would be forced to retire 
Uh, DC bought the idea, and then from this idea, um, the other Batman writers at the time, Dennis O'Neill, uh, Doug Moench and all that, those guys, they took it and expanded it. Um, and that is what eventually became Night the Nightfall Saga, was, mm. was kind of like taken out of this idea. Um, and they wrote like all this continuity around it. And this is like around the same time the death of Superman stuff happened. And that's why in later books in this Nightfall collection, you see uh, Batman wearing the black armband. Yeah. Because I, I, I had yeah. a little freak out moment when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. So Batman will be wearing the black armband because Superman's dead at this point. Um, and what they originally wanted to do, according to this, this is again, going back to this interview I watched with Dennis O'Neill, originally they wanted to remove Batman from the table altogether. Um, they wanted to take Bruce off stage for a whole year of continuity and then restore it afterwards. That was the plan they had. Kind mm. of like Death and Return of Superman. But DC wouldn't let them do that, so they had to water it down. So instead of Bane killing Batman, Bane merely breaks his back. And kind of like temporarily puts him out of action. Hmm. So it was kind of like watered down. They would have preferred to, and then they probably would have thought it would have been a stronger story had they had him gone completely. And I can feel how this ends up playing second fiddle to, to death of Superman in that way. In the fact that they, it's kind of like a watered down version of that because Bruce is out of action, but he's not gone completely. Hmm. And I can feel how it may be. I mean, like, I don't know how you guys feel. How, like, I mean, we'll be able to discuss this when we actually get into the meat of Nightfall, which will be the next show we do about this and then in the series. But we'll be able to get into how maybe it would have had more impact had Batman actually been removed completely. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, we're, we're getting... In, so, Vengeance of Bane. So, uh, Ray... Your take on the beginning portion of this, so Vengeance of Bane and 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 his kind of like uh, origin and everything else. So, what do you make of that? Being the newcomer uh, to this, <laughs> so yeah, like I said, Venom left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. So I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't really expecting much from this, but Prelude to Nightfall really surprised me. Like I absolutely loved the the opening narratives, like setting up the mythology of Bane in this grandiose manner, hmm. um, like. I loved all the thing about him, the myth of Bane's escape to the sea and his return for vengeance and to free his fellow inmates. It's super cool. And then like, it's, it's still great. And like, overall, I, I generally really enjoyed the process of reading this book. I do think at the end of issue two, where he like, uh, I, I kind of stopped caring who he was when he put on the mask. And it's only because it goes into the black mask <laughs> stuff. And I kind of, <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It, I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Cool. Don't call attention to it. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it goes in because <laughs> it, 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 it steps away from Bane and it goes into all the black mask stuff. And I'm like, I wasn't here for this. I'm like, I'm here for Bane. And it, it really feels at that moment like it's fat that could have been trimmed. But then as we keep going through this book, we get to see how Bats tackles, you know, various villains, like various small time villains. And then um, how and why he's tackling, you know, more and more um, like dangerous villains as this book goes on. You know, you see the reasoning for that and the justification. And generally, just the book starts to enjoy itself a little more after the Black Mass stuff. Like, I really, I really like the Metalhead issue because at least it's while it's being stupid in a way that I can't take seriously. At least it's having fun while doing it. <laughs> and then by the end, you can see the full design 
of the story culminating in one, like one of my favorite final panels of a comic ever, um, and also a setup for Nightfall, which makes me really excited to read Nightfall. And as we alluded to in a previous episode, um, I've been intimidated by Nightfall for years. The size of that book, I, I've just not wanted to get into it, but this did really sell me on that. So overall, such a success. Are you intimidated by the size of Bane as well? I mean, <laughs> why wouldn't you be? Right? <laughs> what so was it you were saying earlier? Shoulders on shoulders, that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, Leon, uh, the opening portion of uh, Prelude to Nightfall, kind of like Bane's introduction. Yeah, I also uh, really enjoyed the beginning. I do love, like, the myth-building stuff and the semi-montage-like nature of uh, it all coming together. And it's funny because it's in a very, like, of-its-time way, where it's like uh, as uh, the island is kind of like an XB for, like, a type of Cuba-Venezuela-type situation. Uh, it, it is funny how it's just like, yeah, yeah, and, and like the judges wear black cloaks, and uh, <laughs> it's like the unborn son has to pay the sins of the father. It's just, it's just so messed up on this place, man. Um, but like, um, I did like all like the myth building of the the, the prison and how uh, Bane has like someone like watching over him. In, in those early bits, who's kind of giving us the the voiceover to this. And I, I do like how... Like, it it's silly in a comic book way, but, like, silly cool in a comic book way, how hmm. the mythos is brought up where, yeah. like, he's already, like... Um, like, physically, uh, like, learning a lot of stuff and... Uh, but I like that his training isn't just that he did a thousand like one punch man push ups and <laughs> that's stuff. exactly what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh but it, it, it was the books. It was all about the books. He just mm. read, read mm. bring me yeah. more books, 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 books. Well, I want like, books, like I want Batman. books. He this is what the point I was getting at where he's like the dark mirror image of Batman, like the anti Batman. He was like honing himself, but he was honing himself in prison. Yeah. Like <laughs> And I I, I, I do love uh, the like application of that because it mm. it does explain later stuff how he has feelings and opinions on on certain things that otherwise wouldn't really make sense mm. um, because like you don't know anything like you could barely read um, so why would you have issues and wanna take over Gotham or something like that but I I, I think the comic uh, does. Like the narrative team do good work with that stuff to to set that up because yeah. it, it it does still have a little bit of the thing of like it's almost tangential why he has a beef with like Gotham and the Batman mm. which is like I have a nightmare about in my dream hmm. hmm and I wanna like I wanna get to the mainland and take over it's like I can prove that I'm the biggest and baddest but um I I do love how despite some of that being like a leap, the process which with like the plan they they put in to 
building himself up and becoming Bane, but then also the escape plan uh, when they the prisoner just like yeah yeah we got a test subject for you like yeah, hmm. nothing can stop this guy he he won't he won't die in three days he'll probably last a week and it's like uh, I do like how that kind of has a bit of echoes from the Venom stuff with mm. uh, like Timmy and the 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 sort of super soldiers but how also with this. Bane is kind of like uh, like Neo, where it's like uh, yeah, just keep feeding me that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me more, give me more. Yeah, but and like... he and he and he's just like um, like d- despite how painful the whole thing is, like he's like, is it going to make me stronger? Hell yeah, do it then, do it. <laughs> and then obviously his um his his sort of guardian angel is is like sneaking stuff out for him for the, the plan. So I, I I thought all that stuff was um fairly well constructed mm. it was the last step in him becoming the perfect self was him like getting the venom put into him it's like you the way it again going back to the whole like dico- the whole the way the two characters work and this is i think this is what this book tr- is, is attempting to show in the way that these two characters reflect each other and and their upcoming fight that we're going to get into next time but the way these guys are like reflection of each other in the way that Batman honed himself and had access to unlimited resources and everything. And Bane did this from nothing. Hmm. And also sideline. I don't know if um, like Pina Duro is much different to Lester in that way, because like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at, look at how Bane ended up. And then, and then like, look, look at what Lester did to me. I, I came out of it. I mean, my early twenties, I was wearing a lucha mask pump full of monster energy. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's not. And out of the pit crawls, Carrie Lineker. Dushy, dushy, what's up? What's up? Dushy, dushy, walk us, Chris, walk us, Chris. But yeah, so I mean, like on from there, like we, so now we're into kind of like the sort of like the main, so we had Legends of the Dark Knight, which is kind of like a showcase series and whatever. Now we're into kind of like the main Batman line with this stuff. So we've had Vengeance and Bane 1, which was the one shot. And then um, we're moving into the kind of like the setup and the bare bones of what will then become the the whole thesis of Nightfall with Batman's exhaustion and Batman's like again echoed in from venom batman's inability to deal with his own limitations and failure and how Um, he is almost pushing himself so hard to punish himself before we move on to the 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 prelude part of the prelude um i just had a couple of little bits to add to the um vengeance of bane go go um just because I was super interested to hear um, Rahul's take on it, because as you said, you know, coming into this whole sort of sweeping arc leading into Nightfall fresh, um, it's really good to sort of hear his opinions on it and everything. Um, The unique thing for me reading Vengeance of Bane is that, like, I'd read Vengeance of Bane 2 after Nightfall and Night's End. I'd read Venom before, but I'd never read um, Vengeance of Bane 1 and Prelude to Nightfall. So for me, it was almost like I'm currently playing, like, um, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity after playing... um, Uh, breath of the wild on the switch and so it's almost the same process for me where like i know nightfall story like the back of my hand but it was so cool to see you know how bane started what the uh the 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 seeds of his plan and his uh, friendships and stuff were because um and this is me going a really long-winded way about saying all of this but um 
one of the things that um going back to this the the the, the conversation about the big events where they were like killing off um superheroes and you know incapacitating them and shaking things up um i've always always thought and obviously i was a bigger batman fan than superman anyway that bane and nightfall was handled infinitely better than doomsday and death of superman and um it's a testament to bane and his charisma and his impact as a character that i felt that not having read the backstory for him and just having it implied so much in nightfall they did such a good job writing bane um and his like and zombie trog and bird uh, in that that it only elevates it more for me to see it in the prelude to it because um I, the, my whole time reading this, I was like, "Oh, you know, Zombie looked after him as a as a child. You know, yeah. um, you know, Trog looked after him as a as a preteen, and you know, Bird was um, you know, instrumental in like starting him off learning to read. And like, they all had this support system, and it makes it make so much more sense than it already did that they're so close knit in Nightfall. Because you, without this, you kind of would maybe be thinking like, why do they? Why do they trust him so much that they would almost give their lives for him? And also with the kind of character that Bane is in Nightfall." full storyline you're like why does he lean on these guys so much you'd think that he'd kind of see them as just pawns or whatever but seeing this backstory like infinitely fleshes that out i think um and it's 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 such a good lead up as well because like you know doomsday you know his backstory was invented years after he had come and gone and come again um you know, you just see him punching his way out of uh, some unexplained prison and then he beats up the B-list of the Justice League before he punches Superman to death. And you're like, I guess that's Doomsday, whereas Bane <laughs> could have and has had a movie about him made that would be poignant without Batman even being in it. Exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah, it is a testament to the writing skill there. And also, um, the like, just, just the the sheer amount of work that goes into something like this, that goes into an event like this, like you've got to remember like the amount of planning and writing and everything else that goes into this, like they were planning what was going to happen for the whole of this, this year's worth of continuity before they even conceived, like before they wrote, um, vengeance of Bane, like they, they had it all planned out, like the whole roadmap. Hmm. And they would have had, um, like, discussions and writers' rooms and everything else, like, where they would have come together to... Well, I don't know about writers' rooms, but it would have been a couple of them coming together to, to kind of, like, discuss this stuff and, and, and to, to, you know, um, work on these ideas and everything else and to discuss how it was going to go down. Then they pitch it back and forth to DC. DC would tell them to change something and then they would go back and change it. And it would just be, like, so much work to get this out, to produce this. And then you think about how, like, how they would have written the script. Now, imagine, like, in a comic, how, how few words there are. Because a lot of the information that you're taking in is visual. Mm. Now, like, if you broke that down and turned that into a script, where there would, it would almost be like a, a, a like prose novel, because there'd be such a ton of description in there and everything else. Like, the amount of writing in that would have been insane. Hmm. like absolutely insane but yeah so we we like moving on from like we're now getting into like the main meat of it so this is batman kind of for it this is batman 484 to 491 and then detective comics 654 to 658 this is the the other chunk of batman that makes up the prelude to nightfall as it were um so 484 to 487 this is where the the 
portion we call prelude begins so this is batman 484 to 487 and this is batman suffering burnout he's driven to do too much he's destroying himself in the name of the vow he took uh in succession he must face black mask who returns to kidnap lucius fox um and then he has to face metalhead who is a crazed killer in a really bad costume (laughs) i would love to have been in the room when this guy was like designed like I can just imagine, like, just empty beer cans just littering the place. And maybe, I don't know, I don't know. Am I right? Wrong? I don't know. Whether, but a I nonsensical can, I, costume. Not necessarily a bad costume. <laughs> it's definitely entertaining costume. Why put it on his head? <laughs> <laughs> Why did they put the bladed whippy thing on his head? Like, <laughs> without without dropping any spoilers for Rahul, his costume and the ridiculous of the ridiculousness of it leads to one of my favorite panels in Night, Nightfall Part One. But we'll, we'll we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a costume designed around the strongest muscle in the body, the neck, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait to see what they do with that in Nightfall. Oh, I mean, like I can imagine they probably like oh, scorpions are kind of cool. But, like, scorpions have the spike on their butt. i tell you what it is. Whoever designed him had just unlocked Sindel in Mortal Kombat, and they're like, yeah, yeah, he whips that spike around like it's uh, animated hair. (laughs) Whoever designed him (laughs) loves Nine Inch Nails. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, we've got, like, this... uh, Yeah, and, and, oh, you've also got some of my favourite kind of artwork in here, because this is, like... The Black Mask stuff's really cool. It's like a re- it's like really cool couple of issues. Uh, there's some really nice art in it. Um, it's really nice to see the Black Mask in action, and um, it you get like a kind of feel for like the the because 90s Gotham is late 70s, early 80s New York, and uh, <laughs> that's the easiest way for me to describe it. It's like the whole of Gotham is the Bronx, um, <laughs> and you've got like. Um, the the kind of like the the gangsters and everything and how they get up how they're kind of like involved in everything and then we've got like some really gorgeous um artwork with like tons of shadow and things like that and it's really kind of like moody and really violent and it's really it feels kind it feels high stakes it feels really high stakes um and we've got some Real gorgeous work going on here. And then uh, after that, when we move into the next portion, which is the bit with um, Metalhead, and then uh, we've got the bit where Batman is facing off against a contract killer who was put out to kill James Gordon. So, like, this this local mafia don who's in, who's in prison, Vincent Morelli, he puts out a hit on Jim Gordon because Gordon put Morelli behind bars and Morelli wants revenge. It's like having a snail in your beard. But, um, so, because <laughs> I just love that line. Like, why a snail in your beard? Like, where does that come from? But anyway, so, um, you you get to see Batman face off against these characters, but then you get to see him face off against these characters, and it's drawn by Jim Aparo. And, like, Jim Aparo is my Batman artist kind of thing. Like, he's the guy that, like, it, it, he's, if I was going to pick somebody to that I would say is my image of Batman. It's Jim Aparo's Batman art because I just love the way he draws Batman. And I think I was saying to you guys in the week when I was reading this again, that it's just, it's just like, he's the most capiest cape artist. 
Like, he, the way he draws the cowl, like, when we get to see Batman's face, the way he draws Batman's facial expressions, the way he illustrates Batman, Batman's stoic kind of, like, persona and facade, and the way, even, like, without the cowl, the way he draws Bruce, and the way he, he gets, like the shock across in Alfred's face and, and, and things like that. And, and the way he draws the worry in Alfred's face at this point in time, because at this point in time, Bruce Wayne's destroying himself. He's, he's going after guy after guy after guy. Um, no sleep, no rest failed to catch black mask, hates himself for failing to catch black mask. Won't let himself sleep as punishment. Almost, I guess. Um, his nose won't stop bleeding and he won't sit down and quit. And he's just carrying on and on and on and on. And, he he just refuses to get help and refuses to slow down and stop. And the way Jim Aparo illustrates that, I think, is just beautiful. Um, and this is some of my favorite, some of my favorite work throughout this whole entire Nightfall arc. Actually, is Jim Aparo's. I know that some of us here have differing differing opinions on that. <laughs> but, um, for me, it's Jim Aparo. So, Leon, like, what did you make of this portion anyway with the Black Mass stuff? So this is where it gets a bit more comic booky. And when I say that, I mean like um like superhero comic booky where it's like month to month and you've got some of the the rough edges that you can get with with, with that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but it then it's also back into sort of comfortable comic zone as well where it's like you've got you've got this this villain and you've got this villain and but it's all it's all it's all very street based. It's uh, it's not it's not people with powers or anything. So parts of that there's like ups and downs in it for me because um, I liked all the stuff where it was bringing like Bruce into it, uh, other than Batman, mm. uh, uh, and how they were like dealing with some quite. Um, Meat and potatoes things, really, where it's like um, worrying about like the knock-on effect of real estate prices going down because of uh, fires and and things like that, and uh, like Lucius Fox uh, playing playing a role with this stuff, and I, I thought that um, I I liked how. I, I liked how like the the comic is aware of Batman doing silly normal Batman stuff, if you know what I mean. Where they'll have Alfred or uh, Robin like commenting on Batman's actions, and whereas in the past maybe the whole thing of like he's been up for three days, he's like obsessed with the thing is is played as like a Batman virtue. Mm. Uh, and here it it's played for what it would actually be, and it's uh, quite dark and quite um, quite sad, and you're just seeing the, this dude like degrade further and further. And I, I do like how, on a character base, how all of this uh, stuff is is handled, and I, I even like, um, even though I thought it was silly at the time, I uh, I did like how. Like Bruce going undercover. 
um, but like, uh, oh, when he became the... Skullface, yeah. yeah, I'm already uh, dead. Hmm. Okay, we'll call you Skullface. <laughs> Here, have a Skullface. <laughs> and, and and like, uh, I like the sort of push and pull antagonism between Batman and Gordon as well. Uh, like, I think that one of the strengths of this portion is the interpersonal like relationship stuff with mm. with with Batman and but then I'm like less interested in the sort of plot the plot the main like black mask plot um and, and what he's trying to do apart from like I, I did like how it like I was saying how it deals with these these less comic book like implications but uh i I think with the focus being on like batman falling apart and batman not being good enough and i did like how that stuff was handled whereas i didn't care as much for the black mask and his um like what the shenanigans of his like his people because as well you want more i i feel since you're reading it on this turn I, i want more like Bane in the background watching type stuff, if you know mm. what I mean. It doesn't need to be as explicit as that, but I do feel that you start to feel like, like more so as we get through this. Like you feel less of Bane watching um, and his fingerprints. And I feel like this is jumping ahead a bit, but I'm sure there's a bit where like Bane and, it, and his cohorts are going like, this is boring. Like, <laughs> like when are we going to get involved in the story? And then they start to get involved in the story. Yeah, um, at that point they were speaking my mind, and that, that's <laughs> where my my feelings on this book kind of changed because I realized, oh, they're doing it intentionally. But but yeah, continue. Yeah, because I think the the focus is like Bat- Batman's brain uh, and his psyche and his body breaking down and uh, like taking Batman to like a realistic like logical end if if his mindset is as it was uh, here. And I think that stuff, like I say, I think that stuff is effective. And but I feel like I've got less time for uh, <laughs> Black Mask, uh, like super comic booking it out. And I just I don't like anything about uh, the uh, the spiky gimp. I just I, I can't <laughs> buy. I can't. I can't buy it. Uh, his uh, his nonsense, but um, <laughs> like I, I I think that what what they do what they do well with that stuff though is they do it isn't just like this could be a book where that stuff is a, is sideline and it it's um, we need to have some fight scenes so they have it, but I do think that the actions uh, with these rogues does make the Batman stuff richer, and obviously as uh, failing to uh, capture Black Mask, it has its take, that that is a thing that feels like it pushes uh, Batman over the edge, and I really appreciate how, while I don't find the actual scheming stuff that interesting, how Batman's interaction with it has an impact on him and the people around him, and I, I do feel like the book, the part of the book we're speaking about, is is successful uh, in that. So then, 
Yeah, I mean, you were mentioning his relationship. Like, it feels like at this point, Batman's not the only one who's tired because everybody is at the end of their kind of like, they're at the end of their line almost with this kind of stuff. Because even Commissioner Gordon's getting fed up with Batman and, and, you know, he's, Commissioner Gordon's like fixing to get married. Um, he's like, and he's, he's getting fed up with Batman because Batman is, he doesn't necessarily fully approve of Batman's methods. He's getting less and less, he, he's, he's getting more and more distrustful of the way Batman operates and the way Batman works. And I think he's getting tired of the dance himself Mm. and tired of not being privy to everything like Batman is and tired of Batman holding this kind of like stuff above him almost. And he feels like that being kept, you know, he, he, he really isn't liking this being kept in the dark by Batman stuff anymore. He's not enjoying this now. And it's like everybody is coming to an end. It's, it's not just an ending, a logical end point for Batman. It's like everybody is coming to the end of their tether with this shit. <laughs> like everyone's had enough of Bruce's shit. Bruce has had enough of his own shit, right? <laughs> and he's, <laughs> it's this, that the whole thing is about set to explode. And Bruce is like struggling to maintain his duties as Bruce as well as being Batman at night. Because in this like story, he's doing like full 24 hours without sleep because he's coming home in the bat suit and then he's like, I'll have an hour's sleep and then I'll go to work and, you know, sitting on a board meeting or something. And it's just like, it's, you can see why this is like killing him and wearing him out because he's just not giving himself a chance to recuperate and he's expecting so much of himself and he's overexerting himself to such a degree that he is making mistakes and 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 the, we are getting to see Batman's fallibility here as well and everything else which is again a through line directly from Venom to this is you know he's only a man and he's taken on so much in what he's trying to do and it's it's beginning to catch up with him um so this is where like the kind of the prelude begins. And then, and then after this, we, we kind of like sidestep into detective comics where this kind of like deluge of Batman villains and, and, you know, like strain and stress continues with, and Bane still observing him at this point is Batman versus Ulysses Armstrong. So we've got this, this young Gotham gang leader who basically was in military school getting bullied. Um, he was a bit, like violent and things before he got sent to military school. He had issues. Um, his parents shipped him off to military school, went to military school. Things got worse from there because at military school, he just got bullied and picked on and treated terribly. Um, he turned to books and he found solace in old books about war and generals and stuff like that. And, um, he just gained all of this kind of like tactical knowledge and whatever. And then we get the, the, absolute uncanniness of this 11 year old leading gangs in Gotham um, as he kind of like comes to Gotham to test his military tactics and techniques when he escapes the school and runs away to Gotham and he, he in an attempt to conquer Gotham he attempts to unite the gangs and he has like a really good strategy strategical knowledge of everything and he, he has like this really good well thought out plan and it almost works um and all the while, Bane is watching, looking for weaknesses in his opponent. So um, at this point, um, I'll ask you guys what you made of... Because uh, this is the first appearance of the General as well. So what do you guys make of Ulysses Hadrian Armstrong? Who wants to go first? Um, I will jump in. 
Um, I will go back to where what Rahul was saying about um, preferring the prelude to Venom. Um, I think if you consider both things as whole stories rather than the the the, uh, the parts that make up the sum, I think that Venom is a lot more coherent. I prefer Venom as a as a through line. Uh, whereas with the prelude, I absolutely love the um, you know Vengeance of Bane backstory, and I like the latter half of things uh, when you get into uh, Batman wearing down and villains uh, you know sort of piling on him and stuff. But um, my attention dipped so hard in the middle of the prelude, like like Leon was saying, the Black Mask stuff. I was like, I appreciated the Bruce Wayne side of stuff, um, the Wayne Enterprises stuff, the Lucius Fox stuff. All of that is great. Black Mask himself, I didn't really get on with in the story at all. And then it only got worse when the Ulysses came along. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this kid and his gang lead, like, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. You know what it felt like? You know Warriors what it felt like? Between... <laughs> come out to play it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, Leon said earlier that he, um, he was apologizing for um, using other media to um, express his feelings about comics. Yeah. My go-to for that would be video games, because what it felt like was you have this explosive um, opening with, like, the Bane backstory and, you know, his journey to Gotham, and one day I will have Gotham, and one day I'll take down Batman. And then after you have that wonderful opening cutscene, you've got, like, this open-world game with all this, like, Ubisoft busywork of, like, Batman (laughs) doing stuff, and just, you're like, I don't know when something's going to happen, but it's got to happen, and then you, finally, after 20 hours of gameplay, you have, like, this juicy cutscene of Bane in the background, with his cronies, and it's like, we cannot break him yet, we must know more about him, and you're like, oh, that cutscene was really good, I wonder if there's going to be, like, a a really cool town or a boss fight or something, and then you get, like, 10 more hours of Ulysses and all this bullshit, and you get a really cool sequence with the the, the siege on the, um, the, the police department and everything but again like leon said you're just kind of waiting for another cut scene with bane <laughs> yeah that's i'm inclined to agree yeah <laughs> yeah that siege on the police department's fantastic it really is it really, yeah, that was the I only highlight that. for me of the ulysses yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean to, to add to your point marv like i the only com- it, it's emblematic about how I, how much I agree with you, because in my notes, after the Metalhead stuff, the only notes I have that are, aside from the Siege is cool and the lighting and staging of Batman is cool in that sequence, the only other notes I've got are, why did Lucius turn down a pay rise and who the <laughs> fuck is Harold, right? And then it goes <laughs> back into the stuff where... That bag. What was he doing? He got to secure the bag now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, like, b- between the Metalhead stuff and then the bit where we realize Bane's been watching the entire time, that's all I paid attention to. And, like, to the point of Ubisoft busy work, compared to Venom, like, I see why you prefer Venom because it's a tighter, at least there's a tighter narrative happening there. But mm. for me, this, I didn't, it wasn't objectionable in any way. It was just dull, you know? So I kind of. I was just reading my way through it until something interesting happened. So mm. to, to answer your question, um, Harold is Batman's engineer. He's the resident mechanic of the Batcave in this particular um, line. Um, he first appeared in a question comic again. Like, I think this is like a, this is a thing with uh, Dennis O'Neill, like bringing in stuff that he had in the question, like into Batman. Um so Harold was working for the Penguin at one point, and then this is how he became part of Batman's entourage is he um he he 
basically Batman defeats the defeats the penguin. The, the short version is Batman defeats the penguin and Harold joins Batman. <laughs> this this isn't necessarily a question that I wanted an answer to, but thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so just to explain who Harold Orner is, because he's like a lesser known part of Batman mythos. Mm. Even I must admit out there listening, but I must admit, like reading Nightfall as a kid, like everything I'd read of Batman before and everything I'd read of Batman after, there was no Harold. So every time I read and reread Harold, I'm like, who the hell is this guy who's just fixing up the Batmobile between scenes? Yeah, <laughs> you know, because he, he's he's um he's got two major disabilities. He's mute and he's also, um, I think he has a crooked spine. Hmm. Um, but he's um he's a very 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 gifted mechanic, and mm-hmm. uh, he he lives with alfred and um he has a happy life there in the bat cave working on batman's gear and and you know everything else so i think he enjoys life in wayne manor yeah, yeah. i mean that that's a that's a good life like yeah work, work that that sounds like my ideal life where you just yeah. get to work on cool gadgets and order around alfred to get you a dozen donuts whenever yeah. whenever you want yeah that exactly. sounds brilliant yeah, literally, 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 fall in with a millionaire and get to do like your life's yeah. passion as your day job. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, sounds great. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so yeah, um, we kind of like move into this whole thing with uh, yeah. So Ulysses Armstrong, and then that again is like so Batman. After all of this, Batman's like completely exhausted, and we're now into Batman issue four eight eight. Um, but like Leon, I mean, what did you make of the Ulysses stuff? Yeah, I'd echo what these uh, guys said. I think that in there is like some solid ideas, and I guess it's novel for it to be like a kid. But I don't know. I've, like, I don't know. The kid stuff was just like a an, night. An, it wasn't this like cool thing of like wow it's a kid like I, I, I was still sort of annoyed that Batman had to be an idiot about it like and not not be like it was the kid but the mm. fact that, that he has to be surprised it's the kid yeah and I think that that leads to a general thing with Batman where uh, I I, it, I think it's more enjoyable for Batman to be ahead of the audience on some stuff Mm. Especially when it comes mm-hmm. to detective stuff. So when um, the audience is ahead of Batman on detective stuff, it kind of feels weird because it's like, Batman, he's like super smart. He's 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 going to know. So when he's like getting blindsided by the kid, it is, uh, it it's, it's unsettling in some way because it's, it's, it kind of feels out of character. Mm. Um, but then, it doesn't like, make you feel smart. It makes Batman feel dumb. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah. even to not like dwell on that so much, I did think mm. that I did like how he's just this psycho child. And later on, when we see his family, it's like, do you think he'll get the electric chair? <laughs> yeah. so, we can only hope. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that stuff is great. But th- there is an element of like a- again, like this is a, a comic in the the early nineties. Where I don't know, it, it it doesn't feel like this cool novel thing where it's just like, oh, this uh, this privileged white kid, he's gonna go uh, and get the the black and brown gangs together. It's like uh, <laughs> instead of uh, murdering each other, that he'll he'll get them to work together. It, it's kind of like uh, 
like a dark version of like the Black Panthers and like uh, Huey Newton and stuff like that, like uh, or Fred Hampton. Like it, it, it just feels like kind of silly and kind of like I don't know. It, it's not doing anything amazing, and I'm not even like hitting it with the it's problematic thing. I mean, when it was written, but like mm. it, 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 it's not doing anything interesting. So. What what is the, me- the the meta commentary of that? Which is like, this is what would have thought to have, people at the time would have thought this to be like a transgressive thing. It, it kind of just feels like kind of lame because like to to as a, a, I guess to compare it to a, a modern version of that type of idea where it doesn't really doesn't feel as 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 lame. Is the is the the film The Dark Knight where the Joker pretty much kind of does the same thing as he's taken over these gangs, um, but it, it it doesn't feel like this this weird. Uh, maybe it's because he's not a kid. That's why. Um, well, my 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 thing was going to be um, just to quickly add in um, my comparison to it in terms of it not doing anything interesting with the concept would have been uh, Robocop 2 and the little kid gangster in that. Like, yeah, I felt a lot more <laughs> was done with that idea in that movie with a kid with yeah. a gun. <laughs> yeah. And like, like, as you guys said, the Assault on Precinct uh, 13 stuff is cool. Mm. But like, um, yeah, like, I, I think it's because there's not really um, a cool like, interior, like, conversation happening with it. It's just, like, Napoleon, like, he he quotes off, like, some of his favourite uh, generals just, and commanders in history. fantasies. And... Yeah, but mm. there's nothing really... There's nothing really interesting being brought, like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm bringing these historical techniques to urban warfare with, with uh, like, inner-city people and, and gangs and stuff. It, it it doesn't. It doesn't take it and run with it. Yeah, like, it, yeah. like I think there's something novel there. Like there's, there's even like it being the early '90s and you you're doing like a sort of problematic white savior or type thing or like uh there's like I I just feel that we've seen better versions of that weak trope and mm. so like it, it's kind of. It's kind of like uh, to, to read like a weak version of that because I'm already ready for BS. I'm reading a comic from the early 90s. <laughs> but like usually like a lot of the BS and the things that I like are things where it's like, yeah, I, I, uh, obviously it d- doesn't work now, but it didn't really work then. But like I, I like XYZ element of it. But here it's just like, it kind of feels like, what was the point? Obviously, yeah. there was there was not really a point to it because it wasn't viewed as a, a weird thing then. But I just feel like because uh, at least in like Venom, the general being just like going like full bigot. At least it plays to a thing of like he's the bad guy, blah blah, and it's like a, a lazy way to be like he's the bad guy. It's like uh, same with the scientist guy, where it's just like who who gets very rapey. It, it, it's um. It's like shorthand to be like these guys are so evil, thing. Mm. Uh, mm. despite making like the the victims of their crimes super disposable. Uh, like the thing there is like these guys are so evil, but like here it's like I feel I feel like there's there's that's such an interesting thing you can do with like this kid military person uh, getting all these gangs to work together and then t- sort of like 
going after the ultimate gang, where it's like, oh, that's, that's kind of based. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the most 2020 storyline out of everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if like, you think about yeah. it, if you think about it, the whole through line of this is this whole Batman Nightfall thing is Batman's 2020. <laughs> yeah, worst year of his fucking yeah, life. Yeah. <laughs> but like, maybe, I, I feel... maybe the unknown virus that he's got that's like messing him up. Maybe that's coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, the Venom virus. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, I feel that. Um... Like it's a lot. It's a wasted opportunity there because uh, even the way that like that storyline like wraps up, uh, like especially because it's such a like an interesting idea. It's like we're going to go after the biggest gang, the cops, and then you have that assault thing, and it it kind of winds down in in a way where it's like I don't know, like it goes it goes out of a bit of a whimper, don't you think? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because it's just all nicely tied up and ended, hmm. and Batman, you know, sorts it all out, and then yeah, I was expecting Batman to be a bit more shaken because yeah. even later on with the kid, he's like saying, uh, "The only thing is there is like, uh, you you've murdered all these people, you're gonna get tried as an adult, but then when you're out at eighteen, I'm gonna like beat the crap out of you because you're being adult." It's like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's not that, it's not as badass as you thought it was gonna be, yeah. Batman. Yeah. Wasn't as badass as it was when you were a kid reading it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you, you get it. I, I get it. Um, so, like, on from there, now we're into kind of like. Uh, so, this is Batman four 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 eight eight four eight nine um, four ninety and four nine one. So, this is the end portion of the prelude and uh, in this portion, Batman's exhaustion is really setting in. This is when um, so. Um, Quick introduction, Jean-Paul Valley, Azrael. Um, long story short, assassin from the Order of St. Dumas. Um, he is... Uh, he fights Batman. He is beaten by Batman. Batman has decided to rehabilitate him. Um, the thing... The, the, the issue with Azrael is that he has been brainwashed since he was a young child to be an assassin. He's had this stuff implanted in him from the day he was born kind of thing. Um, and it's a system in his mind that he he will refer to it as the system and it will cause him to act um, it, it, and react without thinking. And it's kind of scary because it, it's all this, all this training, all this kind of like... Um, like, like martial arts training, uh, training with um, equipment, electronics, weapons, whatever. He just intuitively knows how to do things because of the system. Um, and he is being trained by Batman to learn to harness that. And we've got Robin helping with that training because Batman is now taking more of a backseat because this stuff's starting to take more of a toll on him. Um, he During this through line here, he begins his treatment with uh, Chandra Kinsolving. Uh, the doctor responsible for rehabilitating um, Tim Drake's father, because Tim Drake's father had an injury uh, similar to what happens to Batman later in this. Um, and uh, Chandra Consolving helps him with that. And Batman then turns to Chandra for help as well. Um, so through this, like we've got like this whole industrial espionage thing going on. Uh, we've got Bane continuing to watch We've got Jean-Paul Valley being given a job at... Uh, so this is Jean-Paul Valley being brought into the, onto stage, basically, into the fold. Through the, This is the whole point of this, is to bring him into it. 
so he's been brought into the fold onto the stage into the like the batman circle the batman family um in that he is now going to be trained and groomed to be one of the bat fam basically um so they give him a job as security at wayne tech um they send him out on night patrol with robin to learn the ropes uh teach him how batman works how you know the values that Batman respects and that he must respect as an ally of Batman, like not killing something that Azrael has a real hard time with, um, that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then we've got this whole industrial espionage thing going on in the background where people are trying to steal ideas, uh, and, and like paperwork and whatever for government projects that Wayne tech are working on. And there's other companies working on this government project as well. Um, we get this really interesting character that I like called the cipher, um, I mean, like, so, and and then at this point as well, there's some really cool foreshadowing because Azrael even wears the cowl at one point. Yeah. Yeah, which is some really nice foreshadowing for what's going to happen later on in this. And um, we have uh, Killer Croc rears his ugly head um, hmm. and he gets savagely beaten by Bane. And that's all in... <laughs> No, to the to the point where like he's still psychologically damaged, like throughout the first half of Nightfall, well, just psychic. sulking in the sewers. When, yeah, <laughs> when he comes back, he's psychologically damaged. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of the comic, where Bane destroys him, he's psychologically damaged, and then he gets every bone in his body broken by Bane. Like, <laughs> can a guy catch a break? I mean, yeah, thrown into a pile of stuffed toys. That's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> It's a soft landing, though, considering. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, what do you guys make of this portion, then? So, start with Marvin this time. Um, as you said, like, the um, like the cipher, I, I, I could kind of take or leave. I like the idea of it, like, murdering uh, these people with, um, like, uh, subliminal suggestions and stuff. Very interesting. And I like the format of the last one with Lucy's Fox, where you have the time skips and, you know, the 18 hours ago, 45 minutes ago stuff. I like that framing. Uh, that was really yeah, nice. That was but the main thing. the main thing that I took from the this section was, as you said, the Azrael stuff. Because, um, again, coming into this um, almost like watching a prequel after being familiar with the main movie uh it was nice to see like azrael uh or jean paul uh training with robin and sort of like you get a better idea of like how they would work together which is interesting considering what happens later on in the story and stuff and kind of explains to you because as a kid reading nightfall you're kind of like there's a moment where um, Dick Grayson comes into the story, like, wait, spoilers for Rahul, but like way, way down the line, Dick Grayson comes in and it's like, why the hell didn't he choose me to put the cowl on when this all happened? And it's nice. It's kind of nice to have a an insight into how he got ingratiated with the Bat family, because reading Nightfall without the prelude, you're kind of just like, well, there's Harold doing the car stuff. And then there's just this psychotic, half brainwashed blonde guy who is going to be Batman, I guess. (laughs) So it is nice to have a bit of that fleshed out and it makes more sense how he would become important in the, uh, in the, in the Bat family and stuff. If you think about this in terms of TikToks, this is Batman's, I did a bad thing. (laughs) I did a bad thing. (laughs) By bringing Azrael into the Bat family. It's a, it's, it's a thingy Bob. It's arrested development. Like at the end of night, nightfall and beginning of night. And he's yeah. just like, I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. 
Um, That's the spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is a panel. <laughs> Just directly, it's a, a frame of, of an episode of Arrested Development, and that is just the final splash page of one of the issues, Rob. I've made a huge mistake. So, uh, Ray, what did, you, uh, what did you make of this bit? This poor yeah, I mean, I'm not that familiar with any of these other side characters, even like Robin and uh, like the other guy. Like, I don't really know the Bat family that well. I'm not that au fait with any of the relationships and stuff. So I'm kind of just along for the ride at this point. Um, the note that I do have is because I didn't know who Azrael was as like as the junior for the first couple of pages. I've got a note saying, finally, worthy villains. Um and if Bane is tired of seeing Bats fight all these subpar enemies, how do you think we feel? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, which is something we've, me and Leon have already talked about this. Um, but yeah, finally something interesting, like seeing Azrael Jr. get used to his powers and be trained by Robin. And, and surprisingly, Robin's a decent teacher. Like, he's not annoying the way I thought Robin was always supposed to be because i haven't read many stories where robin's a part of it That's so like um, this is tim drake and not i was dick grayson i was yeah, about see, I to don't... say i was about to just quickly interject that like tim drake is my favorite robin for that very reason like reading tim drake robin stories where he's just on his own or a mm-hmm. dream jason jason todd is a little shit uh dick grayson is boring <laughs> as hell and damien don't get me started on damien get oh, no, him out my face no if anyone's a little shit it's damien yeah damien's horrible well, he's, child well, horrible, well horrible J- child. jason todd is a little shit damien is an actual an actual demon well but, yeah. sorry <laughs> carry on rubble sorry Gran- grandson no, I mean... of the demon yeah <laughs> yeah 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 very much but yeah this is that thing of like i am just along for the ride at this point and it, it i again had nothing objectionable to say about it um I did have a note here saying ugly character art. <laughs> like uh, Greg was sending me, uh, sending us some of the pictures of um, of Robin from the side and stuff. And just, I'm just not a fan of this style, but it's not really a huge detraction or anything. I do have another note saying, ah, chainsaw near the eye. <laughs> like just some <laughs> really effective fight scenes, which I really enjoyed seeing like uh, as well. And... Who's that Simpsons character? It's Tim Drake. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like I, like what I was saying about Venom, some of the fight scenes here are interesting. You get to see like all the the moment to moment, and you get to see Azrael and Robin being, you know, um, like passing on knowledge to each other, but also being inventive and seeing how Azrael's um, like brainwashing kicks in, uh, and not always in the best ways. Like it puts him in harm's way without him really wanting to do it, and them assessing it after the fact, but without getting like irritated with each other but just trying to deal with the problems as they come i thought that stuff was pretty cool and then yeah the um i quite like this psychiatrist villain what did you say his name was cypher right yeah he's uh, the most alchemy one of the ones that they introduce in this like he definitely he's, he's the one with the most potential and like he's <clears throat> the most alchemy one and he's the one that i could i mean i've not really heard much mention of cypher outside of this storyline but he's mm. the one that i mm. could see having real potential as a pure arkham inmate like mm. he's got that kind of like rogues gallery potential kind of thing. Yeah, and like Marv was saying, they give him a really cool cinematic lead in because they show him doing these actions or being in the background for a while before you realize that yeah. he's, uh, you know, you get to see what he's capable of, and then you realize that Lucius is next, um, and then you get that that cool issue where it's like hopping around in time. Um, but the guy is a dickhead. Like he causes a whole <laughs> pileup just to kill one man. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I thought interesting villain. I thought that was mm. cool. And then it like an accident, and it's the Muzak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that reveal at the end. Actually, like who cares if the Muzak is broken? Like, surely that's suspicious. Like, I thought yeah. that. Uh, like them piecing together those moments was interesting. Um, but yeah, it's all sort of 
it felt a little bit like the it felt better following all the padding that was before it so yeah. i was i was here for it and then uh, um azrael's wearing the non spiky version of the uh <laughs> metal head yeah, yeah was that suit, yeah <laughs> Was that intentional? I couldn't tell if they were meant to be separate designs and they just happened to look similar, or they took inspiration from it's, Metalhead and passed it on to him. It's the '90s ninja thing. It's the same reason that Tim Drake has the split toe sandals <laughs> on the end okay. of his boots. He's got he's got like the ninja boots with like the um, the split toe. Yeah, so they it's... they really they really turned Tim Drake basically into Donatello. Yeah, <laughs> gave him the bow staff and the two yeah. the two toes and his him, uh, split him, split boots. They gave him TMNT feet. Yeah, <laughs> he's even wearing green boots. Exactly. <laughs> and and like I think I think it's like I think this is like this whole thing where they're like leaning into the ninja thing where like I think ninjas were cool hmm. at that point in time. Like people love ninjas, so well like going through this whole prelude and um yeah like the Avengers of Bane stuff like every five minutes Batman is referring back to his Tibetan training and uh, yeah. the the various ninjas and the League of Shadows and stuff that have trained him and stuff yeah and then, and then obviously going forward like you've got more stuff with like Lady Shiva and all this all these different uh big ninja inspirations so Leon where are you at with this bit yeah I'd, I'd echo what everyone said uh for the most part I think that the end is better than what was in the middle. And this is where, when I was reading, I was like, oh, okay, I've never read this before. Because like I've read the, like, the Bane stuff right at the beginning. Mm. Um, and then in, as we were getting towards the middle, I don't think I'd see, read those issues ever before. But I always thought I had read the stuff that leads directly into Nightfall. But I hadn't. So when uh, <laughs> they're suddenly like, first page, yeah, so this is Azrael. And I was like, what? <laughs> I had like, a weird thing of like, I've never read this before. And also, like, is this confusing for people who don't even know who Azrael is? Because <laughs> he was in the story before, which isn't isn't here. So it, it was super, I had the double whiplash thing where I was like, oh, wow. Like, because, like, as you'll find in the next episode we do on this, like, I have mixed feelings on Azrael. <laughs> um, but I, I thought the, the training stuff with Robin, as you guys have said, was very effective. And I think that they do a lot to establish him, uh, like, his, sort of a, his base stuff as a character uh, before, like, the stuff that we get in, in Nightfall. So it has, um, it's widened my scope for, like, the Azrael character, because I think it is good foundation stuff. And, uh, as you guys are saying, I just, lo- I do, I do love how, how, how good him and Robin are together. Um, and I thought, I thought that the, like, the Cypher stuff, I thought, I thought it was quite interesting and it was nice to, get some like pretty decent action with all of that stuff and mm. like the mind games uh the issue going through time like all of that stuff is, is solid and it 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 ends up putting you in a really good place for like nightfall proper but um yeah it, it was wild because i i was like it, it it it's like um it's like getting 
it's hard to explain. It, it, it it's like finding new comics, which it kind of is. But it's like um, these have been here the whole time, like pre prequel uh, Azrael story, and uh, I've never engaged with it. So it, it's it's super weird. It's like um, I don't know. It's like finding out that there was uh, an, another Indiana Jones movie, like set in the Temple of Doom time or something like that. And you're like, oh wow, how did we? How did I never watch this? Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it is interesting because I do think it adds um, a good complication to the Azrael character. Um, but then it does. So I have a thing, and this is going to become more apparent in the next episode. <laughs> but Matt, like. I, one of the things I don't like about long-running superhero comics is that I don't like the mantle passing. Mm. Uh, I'm very conservative with this. I don't like mantle passing. I don't want uh, other people to be the superhero. Like, just become your own superhero. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't like that stuff. I don't like when you go to uh, a character's Wikipedia page and it's like, they were the fourth blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. Like, I like, especially with the iconic superheroes, I like, like, it, it's just um, that person. And I know that you could you could possibly say, oh, why do you like Miles then? But, I, like, I don't think I have to explain why that's a bit different. That's that's not, <laughs> that's not like, it's uh, not, ben not Ben Riley. Riley. Yeah, <laughs> I said the same thing. It's oh. not Ben Riley. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like it, it's it's that core thing. And obviously, like, there's been loads of Robins, but as been said already, like the old Robin's kind of lame. And then <laughs> first Robin becomes Nightwing, and is uh, way better as Nightwing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I generally don't like that. So like. I get no enjoyment from seeing Azrael when the thing and like all the all the um the good work that had come up with there I was like man maybe I was a bit harsh on this this character like I kind of like how like troubled he is and how he's, he's trying to learn the ropes and he is a bit impetuous but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be and then mm. he puts it on and I'm just like yeah I don't like you usurper you're not part of this you're not part of the bat family we don't know you yeah yeah (laughs) i I feel the same way and then obviously you get you're vindicated towards the end of the the whole thing but yeah yeah um so like we then like get to see like so we get this bit where batman's taking us like sitting it out and um killer croc turns up and killer croc gets absolutely destroyed by bane and then Bane, because this is where we first get to, Azrael puts on the cowl, right? So this is the first time we see Azrael dressed as Batman. And um, this is like Azrael filling in for Batman. Um, and Bane instantly knows. Like, that's that's the most shocking moment about that book, is the fact that Bane instantly knows that it's not the real Batman. Because he's been observing Batman for that long. I, I love that. I love that because yeah. it's 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 such a character moment. Yeah. Um, and it, it sets up um, again. Spoilers for Rahul. It sets up a wonderful thing, which is um, it, you almost get the same feeling as uh, when you had um, that unnamed stormtrooper in the Force Awakens. It's like traitor. It's like every time Bane comes up against John Paul, he's like usurper. You're like I know it's not you behind the mask. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's this whole thing where. Um... Yeah, he's like, 
he just knows that it's not the guy that he wants. It's not even worth his time. He just walks away. He only wanted to come out and fight Croc because he knew that Croc was one of Batman's strongest foes, like physically strongest foes. Hmm. Um, and then like he absolutely obliterates Croc, which is something that gets brought up later on into the Nightfall stuff. Uh, yeah. On from there, we move into um, like Bane upping the stakes because uh, Batman is exhausted. He's had like a couple of days off, but he can't ignore it. He just has to get up and do it. Like he's exhausted. He's like absolutely like at the end of his like w- nothing left. He's running on empty and uh, he just ha- he cannot ignore the bat signal. He's like compelled to go out and do it. And it's the Riddler. Um, but Bane decides to kind of like up the stakes a little bit. And this is where Bane starts to get more active now because we're getting right towards the end and we're going to be into nightfall in a second. But Bane yeah. decides to get more active and Bane decides to beef up the Riddler with Venom. So we get Venom Riddler. <laughs> uh, this is so good. Venom Riddler on the rooftop. Yeah. Um, and uh, Batman versus Riddler on the roof. Uh, which is <laughs> very good <laughs> which is a great issue um in a belfry somewhere um and i just i think it's fantastic how like because that highlights to bane kind of like bane's testing a venom enhanced like somebody out against batman to see how batman will handle it basically and that's kind of like what this is so and this is where batman starts to realize again like this is because all the way through this, it's been seeded that, you know, because to this point, um, Robin is telling Batman about this, this dude who was like beefed up on something. And Batman's already, already come across this guy at least once when he fought him in the warehouse in Vengeance of Bane, or kind of at least crossed paths with him in the warehouse in Vengeance of Bane. And mm. they actually got into it. They didn't actually fight, did they? Um, but they, they at least crossed paths and came face to face. And then like, again, here, Batman is, like he, again, he's seeing this Venom drug and he's like, and then there's the callback to the Venom arc. Mm. Um, and this is where Batman's obviously, Batman's wearing the armband in this issue. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's under treatment from Chandra, but he's like really suffering now. And he, he's barely keeping it together when he's fighting the Riddler and he's thinking the Riddler should be easy. But, um, and then the Riddler goes from his, his, uh, kind of like suit and jacket to spandex because he's got muscles now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we get that Jim Carrey Riddler outfit. Um, and then uh, the issue sort of ends with Bane being like, okay, now we need to really test Batman. We need to, uh, we need to break into Arkham and let loose the demons of Arkham. Uh, and that's where we begin nightfall with Batman 491. So this is where it actually starts. So this is where it all kicks off when Bane decides that he's going to stage a breakout at Arkham um, and let loose some of Batman's most formidable foes into the streets of Gotham to really test the Dark Knight and really basically tire out the Dark Knight to, to, to learn whatever's left to learn about Batman, about how Batman handles some of his greatest foes. And... Um, it's a really great issue for kind of kicking it off, like for this to be like the beginning. So we've we've done the long climb to the top of the the uh, the drop in the on the roller coaster, and now this is the bit where we're getting to go all the way down, mm. down, 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 down to the point where Batman's spine is shattered. But um, <laughs> it's just it's like 
such a fantastic issue um, with this breakout at Arkham, the Joker taking, um, is it Jeremiah Arkham? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hostage. Um, with the whole shotgun mechanism against his head. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. Um, so yeah, this is the big crescendo and this is where we end because this is where we're going to be picking up for part two because at the end of this issue is where Batman is screaming into the air because he is just at his wits end. He's had enough. He's, he's got, he's, you know, got, he's two steps forward, one steps back. He, he's fought all these guys up to now. He's been cleaning up the street. And then all of a sudden he's back at square one because everyone's back out onto the street and he has just had enough. Hmm. And he's just like, ah, <laughs> screaming at the sky in frustration. And it's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Just to just to, to get that from the panels, like the levels of frustration in Batman at that point must be incredible. Like, and you can feel that. Um, so like the final, final portion of this and getting into Nightfall then, guys. So where are we at now with this? And Ray, we'll start with you as the newbie. <laughs> I think your intensity when describing this issue is exactly what I was feeling while I was reading it. I thought the the whole like ingenuity and all the the beat by beats of what he has to go through and Bane's mechanisms of like dropping the bomb and then making assumptions that it's like a smart bomb and stuff. But like it is a smart bomb, but not in the way they thought it was. Like all of those things, um, like the sadistic uh, Joker's sadistic shotgun mechanism and stuff, all of it's super cool. And like I said earlier, it ends in one of the one of the best final panels of like a cliffhanger in a comic I've ever seen. This is great. I'm so hyped to to read Nightfall because of this. Yeah, oh, there, there's there's so many moments in Nightfall that like like spin off from this feeling, the feeling that you get from this episode. It's almost like you know um we've talked about Infinity War and um how the scene where um Corvus Glaive and uh, Proxima Midnight are hunting down Vision and Wonder in scotland and it's just like relentless like i was on the edge of my seat because it's just like being hunted being hunted being hunted like i get that feeling from a lot of like nightfall proper because it is just this relentless stream of enemies and like you just constantly feel that batman could just drop any second like any moment he could just his body could give out his mind could give out his spirit could give out and it's oh it's so good the 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 tension that you get from knowing that it is the entirety of arkham that he has to basically mop up um while he's in this degraded state it's such a good setup like again going back to what i was saying hours ago um the difference between this and just having doomsday drop out of the sky and punch superman a few times is infinite infinite it's huge isn't it like the set (laughs) the level of setup on this Hmm. and the level of 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 work and, and the intricacy of, of how they've woven it all in this is what i wanted to get out of this episode for doing this episode for doing the prelude for doing you know going back and discussing batman venom which is like obviously a way earlier story arc that kind of like brings venom into the fold like just the amount of like work that is that goes into just weaving all this together and weaving this tapestry to be able to give us nightfall like mm. all of this had to happen in order for us to get nightfall, like all of this had to, had to happen to lead up to where we are now for us to get nightfall. Like that's, mm. that's incredible for me to think about like the, the, to, and to have it seeded month by month and then to, 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 to see this as it is now. And just, I mean, th- there was no real, I mean, the internet wasn't as prolific as it is now back then. Like you wouldn't have been able to go on bleeding cool and see what was coming up because bleeding cool wouldn't exist. Like you wouldn't be able to go on these, like these comic sites, like, and, 
like comic news sites or whatever and, and, and be able to see articles about like, this is coming next year, this, this event or whatever, because it wouldn't be, you might get the odd advert mm. in the back of your comic or whatever, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily know. And, and then this happens and like, wham, you know, and, and you, this is the issue where you realize as well that Bane's grip on Gotham has been slowly tightening and Bane has been doing the research. He's been, he's been doing the homework and this is where Bane starts to put that knowledge into practice. Hmm. Like, and his, this is where bat because Batman is too late. Like Batman's in the trap before he realizes he's been trapped. Yeah. It's, it's too late now. And and now we're just going to get the slow, steady downward spiral that all, all that's left is for him to run the gauntlet. Exactly. And, uh, Leon, where are you at with this? Yeah, I think that this ends in a really strong place and I I like a lot of stuff that happens with Arkham usually and like Assault on Arkham's Arkham Asylum, the game, like I, I think it's quite um it's like it's it's a rich place for that stuff to happen because it's like the belly of the beast type thing. And um everything that leads up to to everyone escaping and all that is really good and like Rahul's saying it it just leaves you in a place ready for Nightfall proper mm. Mm. that uh, like everything uh, is in place and is, is ready to go um, and <laughs> that the, the the Batman like just ah! <laughs> it, uh, it's like a powerful ball uh like frustration um and i always love to see like a hero sort of in that position where they've like done everything they've tried everything uh and and uh they're at the end of their tether it's pretty abrupt as well yeah yeah as an ending for an issue just that well yeah like, it, it it's one of i i, I do like endings where it's um the big thing has happened and it's just like boom to be continued. Like deal with it, and um, this is this is a good one because, as you guys were saying, all all the the house of cards or whatever you want to, however you want to put it, how, that Bane and his cohorts are being setting up at this time, all starts to come together, and um, it, it like everything's been in, been laid out in a way like like you said. Now, uh, now it's time to run the gauntlet. Like it, I think it it helps make up for some of those like mid issues where I just wasn't feeling it. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, where's Bane? <laughs> when Bane's off screen, everybody should be asking, where's Bane? <laughs> and um, yeah, like it, it was nice <laughs> to see uh, like the, the fingerprints and like the thing that I was asking for before, where it's like in the background, he's there waiting, watching. Like instrumental mm. pulling strings and um yeah I, I think it's such a such a strong way to end um that it leaves me excited to, to reread a book i've not read since i was a kid so yeah. the, uh, i'm hyped i am so hyped for the next part and getting to like the most hype part about this is getting me to share my hype and love of this story with like 
you guys as well and especially ray like i know because because ray's not read this any of this before this is all new to him mm. so, so getting to getting to hear what he thinks about all of this is brilliant i mean you almost fucked it up by recommending venom but you pulled it back so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know venom's venom it, it is weak <laughs> uh in comparison to the rest of it but i i don't know i felt like we had to cover for all its issues for all for all, for how problematic it is in places and things like that i felt like we had to cover it <laughs> in order to to kind of to bring all this together it's because i felt like we we had to do to do nightfall justice we had to cover venom the introduction mm. of venom as part of the whole thing That's now you I'm got thinking. me set up i'm i'm batman at the in this panel we've just been talking about but in his ma- open mouth instead of shouting yeah it's a funnel and i want somebody to be like blending nightfall into it i'm ready <laughs> <laughs> ready for a bane smoothie <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, this is, I mean, for a lot of people as well, I mean, for me, like, this is the thing that these kind of events are the things that draw people in and get people reading ongoing comics. Mm. Like, this is people's hopping on points, the beginnings of these events, these stories. And I feel like, for me, this is, this is like the thing that got me reading ongoing Batman, I guess. Same, very yeah. much the same. Yeah. I had, I had issues that I picked up for um, myself and I like read um, like my my dad's um, son of the demon death of the, death in the family, um, you know a couple of other stories, Killing Joke, of course, and stuff. Yeah. But like reading Nightfall and like following the serial of Nightfall, and then when Night's End came out, and Dad bought the graphic novel of that, I was like, I'm in, I'm doing this. From then on, I was like, I am a fan of Batman comics proper. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. This is this is the book that did it for me. Like, <laughs> and you know, and then like because I. You you did this the you did this the right way. You read Venom first, but I read Venom after I read all of this. I went back mm. and bought Venom Trade after I read all of the Nightfall stuff. Mm. But like this is this is the you know like and I reckon for a lot of people it's going to be the same. And that's what's so why you know these events are as much as we we talk about these events and we talk about how how the constant churn and everything else and everything we discussed at the top of this episode. But like as much as we talk about all of that we can't forget that how important these events are for actually bringing new readers on board Mm. as, you know, as like impenetrable as people feel comics is. I don't feel it's that way at all. I think, I think you could, you could start at the beginning of one of these events and you could read it and enjoy it. And that's the whole point of these events. They're jumping on points. Hmm. Like this is where they, they bring people in because it's, it's a story you can get invested in without having to know everything else. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what, what, what the kind of the beauty of this kind of stuff is. But yeah, so that, that finishes us up now for, uh, for Batman, uh, prelude to Nightfall. So that finishes up for part one of our Nightfall series. And from here is, this is where we pick up for part two. So we're going to pick up for part two, um, exactly in that panel where Batman's going, that's that's where we're going to pick up exactly there because that's where it all begins this is the beginning of nightfall this is basically where like the poop truly hits the fan for batman <laughs> uh, so i mean you think he's been having a rough time you wait until you hear some of the stuff that we talk about next time yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> good lord yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah um that has been ace comicals nightfall part one and uh thank you for joining us marv Ah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, um, the next one of these, by the way, part two, you will see in the new year. So um, it's now December. We're going to do the Christmas episode 
which will be like a short little fun Christmas episode. Then we're going to do a break and then uh, we'll be back in the new year, hopefully with part two of Nightfall. Uh, all things going well, scheduling wise and everything else. So that's when we're going to bring you part two. Um, so yeah, cheers for joining us, Marv. And uh, we're going to have Marv back on again for part two. Um, Marv's going to be with us for the entire series because he's our Nightfall guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I need someone who loves it as much as I do. Uh, and um, yeah, so uh, Ray, um, hmm. where can we find you? On Twitter, at Monke, that's M-O-O-N-K-E-H. And Leon, where can we find you? Hey, you can also find me on Twitter, at Leon Everett. Uh, Marv, where can we find you? Um, on Twitter, at Marvin Lafayette, and on Instagram, MarvLafayette84. So, I mean, you can find everything Ace Comicals at www.acecomicals.com. Uh, there is basically pretty much everywhere you can listen to us is on the website um you'll find us anywhere you can find podcasts um you will um obviously if you like what you hear please give us a review give us a, a, a on on itunes or on you know like us on spotify etc subscribe um you can find me on twitter under at bato that's b-a-t-t-o-u you can find us on twitter under at ace comicals and uh that's where you can get involved with the conversation so i mean if you're i tell you what if you're going to be reading nightfall along with us if, if that's what you want to do then um tell us what your thoughts are on it you know ask us even maybe even ask us some nightfall centric questions and we'll endeavor to answer them um but yeah just get involved in the conversation the, that's what we want to do. We want to talk to you about comics. That's why we did this whole podcast thing. Um, so yeah, that has been Ace Comicals Nightfall. That's Ace Comicals over and out.